Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot, but check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me, and it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. Computer screen so I can actually see what's on the monitor behind me. It's kind of a bitch. I have a new... I'm just afraid to replace it, but I bought like a replacement um uh MacBook Pro screen but okay. I really it's it's like a 37 step fucking process to do I don't know, I don't want to fuck this up it's like a $4000 computer this is my whole life i mean like i feel like i i'm always like buying gear to like do stuff easier and then it's always the opposite i have a yeah it's just i feel like i'm con- my whole life consists of constantly being tangled up in cords and passwords my least favorite ever passwords two factor authentication having to solve fucking puzzles to prove that I'm a human being. <laughs> well, someone, I think I, by the way, whenever I say I read something these days, it just means I saw it on TikTok. But <laughs> basically, okay. um, I saw that that function of proving whether you're a robot or not actually has nothing to do with verifying that you're human. It's to basically run a script that checks everything that you've done before that, which is how they determine if you're a human. Get the fuck out. Behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like why, super, do you have to, uh, why do you have to do that annoying shit then? Why don't they just run a script? Yeah, they're basically like it's a consent. I mean, there's probably some legality or some loophole they have to get around to like consent for something, but like it, it basically its function is to grab all of your browsing data. Okay, it's not really to prove whether you're human. So yeah. we've been lied to. Yeah, I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> it's all. It's all. Uh, that's that makes me angry. So it's basically just to get around consent frameworks, and there's no reason. Technically, God damn it! Pretty much. Well, that's a lovely note to start the day on. Uh, this is the earliest podcast I've ever done, I think. I am hiding from the recording hated... Recording in progress. Whoa. I just turned on recording just so we have backup. Got it. That's a good idea. Yes. Yeah. This is always, the... always. Yeah, good good call. Um, yes. This, anyways, this is the earliest podcast I've ever done. Thank you. For, it is currently 7.25 a.m. Thank you for being yeah, but up this for this. is your night. This is your night, you told me. Yeah, I'm a vampire now. I'm ha- I'm hiding from the hated... Son, I, I developed this um, weird. I don't. I don't even know what to call it. Like a nervous tick. What do you call that? Like a weird trauma, trauma formation behavior during 2020. <laughs> like after That's going, it, yeah, yeah. Like after going through the riots, I was just like, I'm just gonna stay awake at night where there's less people, and they can't. I, then they can't see me in the night. I I'm just gonna hide it. in the night. 
I literally like I I wish I could be nocturnal. You can't get so much done. I also just feel like uh energetically there's so much less activity in your like yeah. loca- like where you are locally that you can actually that's why night feels very different just from like a psychic space. Um so I mean I love like any creative project or something doing it at night is like that's the way to go. That's 100%. pretty badass, man. Yeah, that's no, cool. I totally agree with that. It's like I feel like I've thought about this a lot actually. It's like Maybe you can tell, like, obviously you can tell because you're talking about it. It's like, it's how do I've always felt like it's like the radio waves aren't crowded. Totally. Exactly how I would describe it. That's perfect. Like metaphor for what it is. That's because it's true. Like they're doing stuff. It's just at a different frequency, right? Like really actually in their brain, the electrical frequency is at a different wavelength when they're in deep sleep or REM or light sleep or whatever it is. Whereas if you're up and active and like thinking things, yeah. like you're getting more of that range. You have more space there. It's no, I, the mix. I'm, I'm a big believer that we are in a morphogenetic field or whatever you want to call it. That we're in a shared, a shared mental space, which is why watching your manners in your own mind is so important uh, for yourself. Most of all. Um, but no, it's totally a thing. And and during the day, like everyone's running around like like chickens with their head cut cut off, doing frantic yeah. frantic activity, picking their kids up, soccer practice, going to the store, like, you know, they're always angry and stressed, going to Starbucks, you know, and it's just like you can feel it. You can feel it. And then at night it's just like nice and quiet. And you can actually get some creative work done and some creative thoughts in. So um, although I, I don't know about you, but I always feel like a little bit zombified at night. It's very hard for me to move physically. Yeah, it's definitely a different vibe. I mean, I'm a big weed smoker. So like, I kind of like it, that aspect of it. Like, it's just dreamy. It's weird. There's no sun, like whatever melatonin function you're supposed to be getting. It's like your body's probably trying to tell you to go to sleep. Um, but I, it's just from, from a creative standpoint, I just always know whenever I get like, whenever I can stay up to like three, four in the morning in regular people's time, um, it it's, uh, those are like some of my most creative nights when you're just like in the flow. It's not every night, but like, I don't know, cool shit happens at night too. Yeah. Like it's just, that's, I don't know. Also people <laughs> don't bug you. They don't blow your phone up or your email or anything like that. You know, it's, and it's kind of, Yeah. And and if you're not buggable, people don't bug you. If that makes That's, sense, I learned that lesson maybe 20 years ago. How how, how been, so? I just realized like I I my friendships, like my biggest and longest friendships, are less based on frequency and more based on like depth. Like I could legitimately not see or even speak to more than like you know through whatever shared interests we may have, like maybe like like a fantasy football league or something like that. But I can literally have friends in various groups who I don't really see that often physically, but sometimes don't even speak to. But if I'm, it's like immediately if they call or you need to meet up or they need help or whatever, it's like, there's no questions asked. It's almost like a a family relationship where, you know, you don't have to be like in touch all the time to be connected. Um, And so when I realized that I was like, all right, I don't have to, um, you know, like, go out. I don't want to go out of my way. I don't want to seem like aloof, but like I usually am the person getting contacted rather than contacting. Obviously, if it's like something I need or like there's a reason to be doing it, I'm not reticent about it, but like it just works better. Like you get less input and people will be like, man, that's like isolating or whatever. I'm like, 
Yeah, but I just don't have the time and space for like extra shit on top of it. And I think most of my good friends understand that and it has nothing to do with like my love or like what I'm willing to do for them or loyalty. And so like those friendships tend to be like easier to maintain, but still have that quality um, of of like deepness, I guess. And so that yeah. I don't get but hit up excessively, <laughs> usually usually yeah no I, I mean it's just a general thing that as you get older you value fewer close relationships <laughs> yeah it seems to be accurate yeah totally because um, you just don't have as much energy you can't like spread it around you know yeah it's true i guess it does have to do with like energy capacity in a lot of ways because like you prioritize you know certain things i mean i guess listen the truth is this is if it was incredibly important to me to have like frequent hangouts and talking all the time with my friends, I'm sure my life would look like that. It's just for me, there's, I, I like solitude. I really value it in like a deep and like reverent way. Yeah, I do too. So the whole COVID, the, the lockdown part of COVID was actually a bit of a relief for me because it was just like, I wasn't expected to hang out with people anymore and I didn't have I to love- excuse it. Everything else was awful uh, and just in the worst possible ways. But that part I was, uh, not not too put out by. I think I'm on permanent lockdown, actually. I'm just going to keep this going. It, I mean, introverts paradise. That was the lost kind of theme of uh, of the, the lockdown. I mean, I, I'm sure it got to everyone at some point. Like, there were enough inconveniences, enough other shit that was, like, kind of, like, annoying. But, um, yeah, if you're an, a true introvert and, like, you value your, your time and your space, like, I mean, you had every excuse not to ever yeah. do anything. Yeah. So. So I've been told by people who listen to your show that I, I should ask you about timeline hopping. We're we're on a we're, we're we're at an interesting timeline hop point right now. I think we got Elon on Twitter. Uh, crypto is doing God knows what. Oh man! Um, yeah, the economy's going off a cliff. Trump's coming back. Maybe he probably that, will be by the time this comes out uh, on Twitter. Uh, it's the, things have the deck. The deck has gotten shuffled. I think. So <laughs> let's talk about this because I like this topic a lot. Where where are we? What timeline are we on right now? Well, I saw, I read <laughs> a Philip K. Dick thing, um, which is basically kind of like a two minute encapsulation of like his views and, you know, how timelines work and how the multiverse works and how there's infinite kind of sequences to a simulation, so to speak. I'm not like a huge... Uh, simulation guy per se like i don't think it's actually like a computer the way we perceive of a computer but in some ways it's an accurate description of what's going on all possibilities exist at all times our life and what we perceive is predicated on what we are aware of and kind of tuned to at any given point so at various different points people kind of become more aware of that as a process and that's when i think we get these weird like jumpy like mushy like what the fuck is going on like timelines because anyone who kind of truly grasps that principle can theoretically for someone who's not really like exerting the effort to like live a timeline they wouldn't like to enjoy to live in or experience not even enjoy isn't the right word but desire to experience right because like a lot of times we get stuff in our timeline like it's not enjoyable but it 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 does serve a function and i personally believe like our ability to timeline jump is an individualistic decision. And so it's based on our emotions and what we truly believe and feel, which can't be like manufactured 
intellectually or mentally. It's really based on like an emotional felt visceral sense of belief. And I think what we're experiencing now is kind of more people, I think, are becoming aware of that in some ways and whatever metaphor or ideology or whatever it looks like for them, this awareness of like individual, not in a necessarily selfish way, but in like, I'm creating my own reality type way. And we can see this in varying degrees of success. Like I always think about this when we see like a Sam Bankman Freed guy, (laughs) just like, dude, Icarus, like, could you be more of the archetypal Icarus? You were, you must have. He has a lot of archetypes. (laughs) Oh, I mean, that's true. And like, there's a powerful energy there, but like this guy embodied something that he probably deep down since the moment he started getting funny with the money, whether that was before he even (laughs) planned to, or just, it just happened. Um, he knew this was going to be the inevitable result. Like it's very, no, no one gets away with this type of shit, especially at the reckless level that he was engaging it in. Yeah. But like that, he was writing that story. I mean, you look at it and you go, how the fuck does Sequoia, does all these huge investment firms not do like the bait? Like I'm, I'm been doing crypto for a while. Like never would have kept my money on FTX. The, the best term I heard for exchanges, like, like any, fiat off ramp that you have to use to get like dollars out or whatever your native currency is is treat it like a public restroom get in get the fuck out like don't be hanging yeah. around there leaving your shit around like your valuable stuff so i mean it was kind of like you could see that it was going on but this is one guy basically it's one guy i mean just, well it's it's like the return of mount gox though i mean it's like we've seen this happen before but he's also just like the archetype of the the crypto bro you know, like I, I saw, you probably saw on Twitter, there were videos going around of him where he's clearly like taking so much Adderall that he's having like involuntary shaking. Dude, he's mainlining speed. Are you kidding me? He, had he the was? Patch. Yeah, dude, oh, he I missed had that. the patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the patch where they were just like plugging in the Adderall or Dexter. Oh, awesome. That's a, that's a yeah. great recipe for, for mental and emotional stability. Like a perverted beatnik society. That's where we are. If you really well, want to think about it, think about it from Jack Kerouac and all the people just being meth head or speedheads. Now we got fucking Sam Bankman Fried and Caroline. Well, it's also how the Nazi Germany happened. Yeah, that's also true. That's a great point. Hitler. The whole country was on meth. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> they, I, yeah. Yep. It's dark. Um, yeah. I, but it's just like, I, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure you've seen this many, many times. There's just this quality with crypto people where they live in like magical delusional reality where they think they can do anything, you know, and, and it extends to all levels of their life. But that is the trick of crypto. You have to embody that way of being while things are going up. And it really is like that because they're these, these crazy manic runs predictably happen in this space. I don't yeah. know that it's specifically because crypto is such a great technology. Personally, not a huge fan of crypto, all the application, applica- applications of potential blockchains. I don't even think blockchain is that great. It's great for basically a very few sub like a small subset of things as a technology like regular sql database sql database is way better it's yeah, like yeah faster yeah. it's more anyway yeah the i mean there, there are some of those cryptos like solana are literally just sql databases with basically. a crypto front end i mean they're literally running it in aws 
and yeah. just like faking that it's a blockchain. You know? and, and, you know, with validators that are chosen, essentially, it's like the point is this is that the te- whether it's the technology or not, I am I am a Bitcoin lover. I am that. I like Monero. I like some yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I love Monero. The, yeah, I mean, who doesn't love it? You know, if you're on the, if you need to get some stuff, Monero's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So, well, as a, as um, a, as a, you know, as an anarchist, arts. as an anarchist and a free software advocate, that's the only one that fulfills the original point of Bitcoin, which was anonymous money. Like that yeah, was the point. I mean, it was one of the points, but it definitely was point. a big point for the people who were coming up with Bitcoin. And like I just saw like an article that there was a Tibetan monk that got that got uh, arrested by the Chinese government. Oh yeah, for sending it's, like a, a uh, for wiring money in Wells Fargo to somebody in another country, and then they took him off to torture him. You know, it's just awful yeah. there. So yeah, Bitcoin's not anonymous at all. It's the no, least it's, anonymous it's, it's, thing. It's, there's a public use. record of transactions. Yeah, yeah. It's like, exactly. Imagine Venmo, except you can't make it private. It's just always there. Venmo, creeps, just Venmo creeps me out so much. It's like, I don't want to know that you paid your friend for a hot dog. And just like, hot dog, heart emoji, thanks. It's like, yeah, I don't, maybe it was I don't like dick or something, you know, you never right, know. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, but then it's like, yeah. it's so stalkery. It's like, oh, what are people up to? But I don't yeah, know why anyways. anyone doesn't just make it private. It's true. Yeah, uh, free software and anonymity are big, yeah, big, um, yeah. you know, uh, uh, beliefs of mine. So that, I, that is good. I didn't good. want to sidetrack from the timeline jumping too much, but basically my premise and what I think I've experienced enough to truly believe is that we get to choose kind of the timeline we jump on and experience and that we're in this huge array of choices in front of us. It's like we, there's so many, it's like the seven of cups in the tarot and Mm. it's just like all these different things you can choose. And, you know, that's overwhelming at times because like, I don't think many of us would have predictably chosen that Trump would have been president in 2016. Was it 16? Did he get like Yeah. It's been a while. Christ, it feels <laughs> it's like. Just, it's just like walking through molasses. It's but insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, totally I mean, insane. We basically are kind of destined, not in like a condemning sense, but to experience what we are willing to believe and apparently a lot of us are willing to believe some outrageous shit. So. Well, you saw you saw Elon Elon's thing, his version of Occam's razor is that the most entertaining thing is always what's going to actually happen. I'm aligned with him on that. I yeah, when yeah. I saw him too, I'm I'm like half the stuff I he I means very polarizing figure. Half the stuff Elon does, I'm like, "All right, cool." And then other half shit I'm like, "Dude, what are you I like how is this like I get it? It seems kind of how a normalish person would act with the billion dollars, like billions of dollars to me. Like I'm just yeah. gonna buy Twitter and like, fuck, man. I was worried like one day when everyone was doomsday. Twitter's done. Doomsday. Twitter's done. <laughs> so ridiculous. And, and like one day I got freaked out about it. I'm like, is it really gonna be done? Because it said there was like a difference in like sending tweets. It was like send now. I'm like, what is this? Um, but. It's been exactly the same for me. It's yeah. been fun. It's been way more fun for me. It's just like, it's yeah. like now all these people are on. Yeah, I mean, like I saw the definitive tweet about this whole thing. It was just like, if you're worried about somebody new owning this website, you really need to go outside. 
Yeah. And I mean, it's that's true. really it at the end of the day. Everyone's going to Mastodon, which from, from what I can tell is just a total quagmire of hell, hellishness. Like yeah. So, yeah. but uh, I, I love salt mining. You know, I love people. Like, I love watching people like just like have these histrionic moral fits about things on Twitter. It's so funny to me. Like people who take things that seriously are just endlessly. It's kind of like somebody who can't really dance and is just like bumping into things. Uh, or like if you're not flexible and somebody hits you, your bone breaks instead of you moving. It's like, there's a lot of inflexible people in the world and they're really hilarious to watch on Twitter. And why did it become like, that's it's like, it's weird to me that that's just like the place it it became where you do that. This is what I (laughs) think about sometimes when I think about the different platforms, like why on Facebook do you have to post like 1998, you know, Windows 95 fucking <laughs> pictures with like inspirational quotes on it. Like, why yeah. did that become the default place for that? Why is Twitter just literally people forgetting that they're, they, the filter for the mouth is there for a reason sometimes? <laughs> you really need to say stop, it out loud stop sometimes. Stop saying before. mouth words. <laughs> like, holy shit. How are yeah. people, like, do, do people know that other people can read this? And I've been guilty of it. I joined in 2009. I was like in New York drunk at bars and shit. I've had to go through and delete a lot of fucking tweets. Don't get me wrong. I think I joined in 2007. I I have a weird psychic ability for that's my 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 one psychic ability where I can I can sense social media backlash. So I'll I'll delete something like 30 seconds after I post it because I can see it coming. Dude, I did not have that foresight. I think like four years ago or something, I was like, I should probably go back and check because I remember being drunk a lot and tweeting. And I don't remember. <laughs> That's never all gone of those wrong nights. for anybody. Yeah. Or ambient tweeting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Twitter. But it's just like, I don't know, like like I, I somebody I was like an ex-finance guy for the DNC was posting like, you know, I would I would crawl over you know, miles of barbed wire and broken glass with my shirt off to vote against Trump. Who's with me? And I just tweeted, just like, calm down, Deborah. Like, oh, I don't Bro. need to know about like your, your, your barbed wire, broken glass, shirtless Trump fantasies. This is really, yeah, just, it's weird. Just like, take, take on. a look at yourself. Come on, like <laughs> self-awareness, please. But, um, I, I do have to admit, like, there's a lot of, um, and I'm not above, I'm not above this. There's a lot of just like bitter glee going on with me right now. Just like watching. It's basically like, you know, like I'm an old web 1.0 guy. I got on the internet in 1993 and I was on bulletin boards in 1987. And for That's me, cool. like, for me, like the internet was like, first of all, saved my life. Second of all, I've been on my entire life. Third was the great utopian dream for the post you know, the post cold war world that everyone was going to come together and build this beautiful society. And in a lot of ways that has happened. I wouldn't like underplay it. There's so much cool stuff has happened on the internet, but then it's like, you know, it's like, you're the, it's just like, you're the cool, you're like the nerd outcast who's on the internet, like talking to people like you. And then like all the popular kids show up and they just start like snubbing you and like saying, you can't eat with us cause you don't have a blue check mark. And it's like, you motherfuckers. And it, and uh, so I'm I'm reveling in their their delicious tears right now. I'm not above I paid, admitting. I paid I paid eight dollars for the blue check mark. I, oh yeah. I was like instantly. I'm like fuck. It, I'm going to do this. Like why wouldn't I do this? It's who it's my name. First of all, I want the check mark next to my fucking name. If it was like a weird parody account. Can you, you can buy them now. 
Yeah. It, well, no, it was open for like two days and I what bought the... it the first day. In oh, so it's still exclusive. You're like, I, I got a blue twist. Yeah. And I think that might have even been his fucking plan. Like, let people get a taste of this and then have like different pricing tiers for yeah. like longer use. I mean, he's they should make Twitter subscription in some ways, not for all the features. Like there should always be a free one, but like Twitter has always been my favorite social media platform, like hands down since like the day I joined it. Like it just, it, it was a more direct way. It was like a group chat with everyone initially. And it was only people you really knew. There weren't that many like media, it's like most social networks. And then it became this like, whether you want to call it a digital town hall or whatever it is, like you can, I, I, every like crazy, um, remember like the Boston bombers? Yeah. Like the, the suicide, or not the suicide, but they did the- Sort the, of brothers the, or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like that was on Twitter. You could find radio police scanners of them going and like start to, I was like, this is insane. There was wow. no other place you could do that as far as I knew on the internet, so easily and so quickly with like community sourced things, like people on the ground taking videos. So yeah, yeah. Well, the Arab Spring also, I mean, let's not forget. I mean, that was, I I, I think when Twitter peaked, that was huge. But then they, then they realized, wait, this could happen here. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) We gotta, we gotta, we gotta muddy the waters here. That's the weird part about like, this double, I don't know if it's strictly a liberal thing. I'm sure that it's not. And, but one, one thing of it, like, it's weird to be so kind of pro free speech in one way and then so pro censorship in another way. Like that dance makes less and less sense as time goes on and gets more apparently absurd because like you, like, I understand we don't want a platform to devolve into the worst parts of us, like that AI program that they put out there and just like... Oh, Tay AI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was worst. hilarious, though, you got to admit. I mean, it's just so exactly. foul, but it's just like... <laughs> and I understand we don't want that for, like, social networks, and, and no one would advocate for that. But naturally, outside of, like... And I guess this is where it comes in. It's, like, subjectively egregious offenses. Um, and I guess if you're a person who identifies as, like, a raccoon and people are shitting on the raccoon identifiers, then you have every right to be like, you're attacking my identity. So it's this like weird nebulous, like identity game, but like, I don't know, like we shouldn't really be banning people and suspending them permanently from a platform like Twitter for like a miss, like what's labeled as misinformation because information changes in the context. Well, it's it's also like who, who decides what's in what's misinformation and what's not. And that's the, the answer ultimately is not the people that you want, you know, like that, that's the thing that drove me crazy about the whole fake news argument. Cause I was yeah. running ultra culture, the blog before that. Right. It's like, okay. So basically what you're saying there is that anybody who's not the New York times is not allowed to speak. And you can tell like the legacy media was just like trying to hold on to like the last little bits of, of uh, relevance, but it's just like, well now everyone has a voice and we have to deal with that. Um, so yeah, I'm a free speech absolutist. I always have been. I grew up in the yeah. 90s. You know, I'm outside of you know, people being hurt literally and think, you know, like obvious things, which apparently Elon's doing pretty good at moderating, better in some cases than than the people he replaced from what I've seen. Mm. Um yeah, just like have at it. That's the point of the internet. Because otherwise, course, one, once you push the censorship, censorship button, it's like, there, you know, it's like the one ring. 
It's like, oh, just this once. No, throw it into the fire. You can't do it. It will automatically corrupt you. You know, the whole point there, it's, it's so funny too. It's like, it's interesting to think about like people talk about social media, like it's something new. I remember reading in the Roman empire, they had literally Roman walls everywhere. And it was just like a given that it was okay to write on the walls. So like they've, they've uncovered like parts of these walls and it's just like, you know, like the emperor's a dick and then like, you know, just pictures <laughs> of the emperor as a donkey or like some people drawing dicks and, you know, it's just like the same, you know, it's like bathroom wall stuff, you know, but you got to have the, you got to have, you got to let people blow off steam, you know, it's like, you got to let people speak. And, uh, you know, I think the argument that Twitter is a private company and therefore they can censor people. It's like, well. Oh, it's only that's only half true because like we know these we know these social media companies were set up with State Department money, definitely Facebook, and they're kind of porous and interchangeable with the government. Uh, maybe Facebook more than Twitter, but you know that that, Almost, that line is very compliant. blurry now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. if yeah. not directly set up with State Department money in the case of Google and Facebook. So, uh, yeah, and it, it just is how people communicate. It's like, yeah, like you can t- kick someone off Twitter and they can go rant like on a soapbox in a public park like people used to do or like make zines, which is still cool. But it's you, you can't, you know, it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's it's weird that that should ever be on the table for just some of the bannings and like things that I've seen. And like, I'm, I don't like some of the people who are banned. It's like sure. they're not like my favorite people. And I think their opinion is so great. <laughs> And wonderful. It's just I also tend to believe that, you know, maybe this is naive because people ideologies can certainly, you know, gain steam really quickly if left completely unchecked. But like, you know, if your ideas are not that sound ultimately and can be disproven somehow, some way through some medium that makes enough sense to enough people that usually isn't going to like galvanize a huge thing. Now people may be like, well, Trump did that, but like Trump is resonating with enough people. People need to accept that as a reality and then just go from there rather than being like, it's wrong that people are resonating with Trump. Irrelevant. It's a bell has been rung. Those people are ringing now. Don't fucking worry about. You realize we live in a democracy, right? It's like, you know, like I don't like Trump. Like most people don't like Trump, but it's just like, he's literally an ex president of the United States. He was the at one point the most powerful person in the world. Crazy. You can't just flex on him like that, you know. So, um, or you can, but we're you know then we got to see it play out. I mean, exactly. yeah, and and the idea that I mean, yes, okay, like ideologies can pick up steam really fast and spread, but all of the really noxious ideologies of the last ten years have come out of like you know places like Eight Chan and like places where people have been exiled. You, you know, exactly. Not, you know. So exactly. this stuff breeds the dark in the corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where they can thrive. Exactly. Because think about this. I mean, like, let's say you're you're like a kid that like posts posts something that people decide is problematic or something like that. You know, they decide it's racist. Okay, let's say you po- let's say you're a kid that posts a racist racist tweet. Okay, and you get banned off Twitter. Well, now you got nowhere to go. Well, what's you know now you're gonna go where all the other people who got banned went which is like 8chan or something like that. And then now they're all going to radicalize each other. It's like people, it's like when you send people to prison, it's like con college, you know, it's like, you, yeah, let's go put them with the hardened defenders so That'll they can work. learn, you know? <laughs> well, and then also combine that with the fact that now the algorithmic 
like the way YouTube and all these other major media streams work, TikTok, everything, they are very rapidly catering material that gets you engaged. It's not even yeah. like this nefarious plot to radicalize people. The algorithm is just going, oh, this person really watches the shit out of this. They really yeah, like yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. this. And so like, it's easy to get sucked into these vortexes. And, you know, if depending on what's going on in your life and how in control and secure you feel about yourself and what's going on in your relationships, that can be like a really potent combo for like destruction and depression yep. and, you know, really the things that lead to people becoming despondent where they're susceptible to even like hateful, violent sure. radicalism. That's, that's the root of it. Like we shouldn't be like, it's not like we don't have figured it out. So like, oh, these people are happy, <laughs> really pleasant. They were just helping old ladies down the street. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. See the Positive social relationships, volunteering yeah. in their community. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really a mystery. So it's just like, it is this weird combo of stuff that is going on. And, you know, again, to me, it, it does. This is like, I guess my only you know, conservative real belief in some ways is it is an individual, not exclusively, there's support systems in place for a lot of reasons, but like ultimately it's an individual's decision to monitor what they're thinking and feeling and decide if it's something that feels good for them. Like that's important to do. Yeah. The other way to look at it too, is that the, just the idea of building immunity. It's like you get, it's like you have to be exposed to toxins in order to know what they are and build antibodies to them. So true. And that, that's it, you know, it's like, you know, growing up in the 90s, I was, you know, there was a whole lot of like toxic shit, you know, it was like the edge peak edgelord culture. But, um, yeah, tell me about it. I, I was born you in just hide, there, okay, so they, so. they just kicked me out of, uh, millennials. So they kicked me they out kicked, there. I'm not Gen X. I'm somewhere nebulously. Wait, like, I thought, I, I thought 82 was the cutoff for millennials. Yeah. Go check it out now. That's not the case. They changed 84, it. And now what? I'm just stuck in the fucking middle. Oh, well, you're, like, you're now not... you're, now you're with me. I was born in 81. So I'm a zenial. That's yeah, good. Zenial. So you should, you, I'm a zenial you should be happy I about that. Do that. You should be happy about that. Who wants to be a millennial? They're the I scor- did they're, the, the they're a scourge on the earth. <laughs> it's not the point. It's just, they're moving my age bracket up and that's what I take offense to. It's like, you it's don't like Pluto. Decide. They're changing yeah. your status like Pluto. <laughs> Yo, they did this because my fu- I know from my astrology chart where my placements were in Scorpio and Libra, and because I'm really close, and Pluto moves incredibly slowly. They shifted massively where Pluto was on the chart and all this stuff. They this is this is astrologically. I know they got rid of it scientifically as well, but I am I don't I'm like not a real believer in the Mandela effect. I think it's too easy for us to like batch information and get yeah, it yeah. wrong. To Although I don't like, know, you don't know, like that. Okay, the, but I was going to say there's some there's things some where I'm like I don't know. <laughs> Like, you know the fruit of the you know the fruit of the loom one. Oh, the cornucopia was there, hundred yeah, percent. I grew it was up in that age. There, 100%, it was hundred percent there. Not even question. Yeah, not this, even so question. this is the question for anyone who doesn't know about this. Do you remember the label on fruit of the loom underwear? Did it have a cornucopia in it? Okay, now go go look it up on Google Images. It's fucked up. It's either a mess that, that, eye off. That's fucked. I mean, talking about timeline hopping, right? Like I see things like that and I'm like, maybe that's a little marker that a timeline was shifted at some point. And if you remember it being different, then you were you were there before the matrix was changed. You know what I mean? So I think this does make sense from like a splitting of like consciousness, like a polarity split for the earth or even a reversal of it, like the magnetic poles, even like basically you choose what you remember ultimately and what you want to experience in the future. Whether you recognize that future projecting thing and how to modulate and pull some of those levers 
is, you know, dependent on where you are, but the past definitely is not as solid state as we would like to imagine it either. Mm -hmm. And I think if enough people are of resonating at a similar frequency, just like whatever that is, energetically, vibrationally, they will become one of the people who are like, yeah, I very clearly remember the cornucopia. Yeah. I don't hear a ton of people being like, I know there was no cornucopia, no. but there are a lot of people who are like, I don't really ever remember paying attention. I remember to a specific moment when I was like five years old seeing the cornucopia. Like <laughs> still looking at it and be like, that's crazy. What yeah, is that? Yeah. What is that basket like, thing? And I've talked to you probably have too. I've talked to lots of people who've had the same experience. Like, what yeah, what? Weird. It's really yeah. Weird. I mean, that is to me kind of evidence that yes, some of us the way we're choosing to perceive this reality. I mean, ultimately, if you and I are talking, it means we believe in enough of a consensus reality that we exist at the same time and are able to like, you know, interact with each other. Right. So it makes sense that a lot of us would have these like mass Mandela effects where things change. I mean, it's weird to me that people remember Nelson Mandela live, uh, like uh, uh, being dead. I don't remember that, but it also seems somewhat plausible to me. It doesn't seem like outside of thing, but like, that's why it's called the Mandela effect. But like, I definitely, there are enough of those. The fruit of the loom one is probably the most sure I am actually, because yeah. I do specifically remember as a kid being like, what is that? Like fruit I had seen, but what is this basket? Right. right. Like, right. Yeah. I totally like, I guess what's the only logical explanation is that there was some, some other logo around at the time that was similar enough and had a cornucopia. I guess. I mean, but, an underwear well, though, it was definitely clothing. It was definitely cool. Yeah, like, I saw it so much, like, I don't know, man. It's weird. I'm looking up other Mandela effects, because this- Febreze this, is one. What's the Febreze one? That there were two E's in Febreze, which I vaguely remember, and then they just changed it to Febreze. Um, what Wait, other one? There, wasn't, there were never two E's in Febreze? They say there was no two. I vaguely remember there being two, and mm. no, it, now it's not. If you look it up, it's Febreze. Which seems wrong. I don't. I feel <laughs> also the Berenstein Bears, Berenstein. I do remember oh, Berenstein. Well, that's a real thing because there it was published two ways. I think. Oh, okay. Good. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe <laughs> like, maybe that was, maybe that explanation was implanted in my mind also to explain it. I I I like it, and I take it as signs that our consciousness and our past and forward facing are very malleable. They're not as fixed state oh, as yeah. we perceive them. That's just like our perception creates our reality literally. hundred percent. I mean, and, one, one thing that Genesis Burridge always said to me was, and just said in general was, you know, change the way to perceive and change all memory. And it didn't make exactly. sense to me at first, but it's like, no, totally. Exactly. One of the exactly. crazy things about that too, that I've been thinking about is now that AI is, like there's all this AI technology now for like colorizing or upsampling old footage. It's like AI is going to completely change our the way we perceive reality or re perceive the past. Yeah, you because know? it's going to be different, and it's going to be different details than one would be able to perceive, you know, thirty years ago or now. Like, yeah, it's well, but it's, you can go back and see things in color. You know, it's like, uh, and now it seems real. Or like, here's another almost Mandela effect one. You know, it's like it's basically impossible to see the original Star Wars now. Really, you can't get. I think maybe some people like tried to source it online, but you can't. It's not possible, or extreme. It's extremely hard at the at the least to see Star Wars as it was originally screened, and I think even as it was originally released on videotape, 
because they've changed the movies so many times that you can't get the they've you know you can't get the original cut. Yeah, that I don't. I guess like I get it as like an artist or creator standpoint that that's your liberty to do that. But I also like I get that. I really do very strongly get that. But like I guess when but you got to leave the original too. Yeah, when Cause, something cause that's part of pe- that's, like pe- that. that's part of people's collective memory, especially something like that. It was so defining for so many people, you know. Yeah, I don't, well, that I don't was know the what Mandela they were effect thing. The I am your father that that changed the Luke. I am your father, which I remember. And then that what he actually says is something different. Oh, the other one that I remember too is Cinderella. It was the witch would go mirror, mirror on the wall. And, yeah. and they're saying, that's not what she Wait, said. What? She said magic mirror on the wall. Sh- like, no, what? that is not no. what she said. Like, what that's the hell? totally not it. Like, magic I, mirror. I, know, I don't never. What the fuck? I know. No, like, that, I've never heard that shit. before. I trust my early memories, which I guess theoretically might be the most fallible, but I do trust those as like in deeply entrenched. Like I remember for some reason where I was when Princess Diana died. Yeah, I yeah. do remember where I was. I yeah, don't I really that. have a close affinity, but I know exactly. I was in my house. The blue couch is there. The TV was there. Like yeah. I remember that. And that's how a lot of these like Mandela effect things are. Like I remember that being a part of my consciousness, not just an isolated incident, but like this was something that like stuck with me that I'd reflect back on to the point where like I could think about it. But the crazy thing is though that everyone who remembers that stuff remembers it the same way. Right. It's not like you remember it differently from everyone else who was there. Like everybody apparently remembers it in the exact same theoretically wrong way. It is that doesn't make any sense. It, I mean, except for the fact that we're basically writing our own, choose our own adventure, and we chose to be with the people who, you know, made that a indelible aspect of their reality, which then they can use to be like, you know, then question the nature of their reality, which I think like is, if we're being clear, like what the functional aspect of something like the Mandela effect would be, it should get you to question the fundamental nature of reality. Like ultimately it shouldn't just be like, you know, that's weird. It's like, <laughs> there's like, there is a real purpose to it. And I think if that's its goal, um, which would ultimately be what we would want to experience, it's doing a good job. Cause like this shit is, it's too, if deja vu, you can write off. Like I saw a neuroscientist explaining it like, Oh, you experience it a few seconds, milliseconds or microseconds in front of this. So, you know, you're just replaying that the moment before. I'm like, nah, I don't think that's what it is. Like, but I, I understand yeah. there are theoretical explanations. Yeah, but who cares about those? The, you know, it's like, oh, it's like, it's like, like you know, I'm a magical thinker. I don't like, yeah, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. I don't okay. care. I, like, I don't care. You know, it's it's just you know, my question is always like, you know, like how what can how can you use it? That's exactly. always what's interesting to me. And I also conversely do not care about like pseudoscientific or new age explanations or things like I, I don't care how things work i just want to use them use I'm, I'm, I'm a practical guy you know so exactly and exactly. and reality jumping whatever it is maybe it's just oh well you're making different choices and things like that but no i think you can absolutely choose to jump into another timeline and i think people have been i think if we couldn't do that most of us would be dead by now because i think it's a survival mechanism as well i can think of lots of places and times where like I had no business like getting out of but like suddenly like I was somewhere else you know it's like I just moved you know like I just I moved to Texas two years ago it's like I don't know anyone from my life two years ago it's like everyone is you know on different timelines because they didn't make the jump with me you know exactly or it's like quantum leap you remember that show 
It's one of my favorite shows yeah, ever. Sure. Also, you've seen the clip where they have the mentally handicapped person and oh, yeah, literally yeah. turns around and goes, I'm retarded. <laughs> and they show the guy. It's one that of was my a favorite great episode. That, I remember of that episode. Of course it was. Yeah, I remember was, it too. It was an amazing show. It was I think really good. brought it back. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great show. Yeah. But that that's, that's I think, I mean, that's kind of one of the keys of magic too. It's like you just choose timelines to hop onto. But the thing about timeline hopping is, and the reason why most people are reticent to do it is you got to be willing to give up all the stuff in your current one, including a lot of times people. I think probably a lot of people in the last couple of years have had the experience, hopefully it's not just me, of people just t- suddenly turning on them. You know, yeah, you, yeah. Is this, yeah. I've also been the person who's done that. I okay. realized in the yeah. past year and a half. I have too, which is very um, it's not a good typical for me. Yeah, I rarely do that, but I definitely was triggered by a lot of things in my life and acknowledged later down the line and apologized. But like, essentially, it was just like really not in a good headspace. Well, people, and, everyone's been in survival mode. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been. And I've been having kids during this whole time. I don't know what's going on. I'm oh. really like playing the game on like that's a, that's death advanced mode. difficulty. <laughs> God, I don't know why. Sometimes I love my kids, don't get me wrong. It's just like I jacked up the difficulty setting seemingly. And I I I get why I did it. Like it's it's cool, it's awesome, it really is. But man, sometimes I'm like, why did I jack it up so high so quickly during a pandemic? Oh yeah. What was yeah. this? Well, well, talk about that because that I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, there's probably so many people have been dealing with parenting during the pandemic. I'm sure a lot of the people listening to this show, and I can't imagine, you know, it's just like. You have to quickly figure out where you stand, like, um, like at least with like the scientific and how viruses are spread type of ideology or viewpoint or perspective, because that will immediately be challenged when you have kids who are attending either daycare or schools. Yeah. Right. Like if they're going there, someone is going to be sick and you will witness a pattern, which seems to be the case that everyone at the daycare or the school gets sick in some round. So it's this never ending concoction of like disease, essentially. And you have to really like figure out your like ethical and moral guidelines. Like I'll be right very upfront, like I'm unvaccinated. I didn't get any boosters. I don't have a strong viewpoint on either side. I respect people's opinions on what they believe, but I took precautions based on that that I felt were appropriate. I wasn't a huge masker at first. Um, I started masking when it seemed like this is something that might be at least not a dumb thing to do. And I didn't take it personally if people wanted to or didn't want to. Both times I got COVID, I got them from someone who failed to disclose that they had been experiencing COVID-like symptoms and passed them on to someone who I interacted with. I never wanted to be the person who did that. So I took it seriously on the front, like, I'm going to test. Ultimately, do I think COVID is something that should have shut down the world for two years or, you know, basically really intruded in people's lives and consciousness? No, I don't. I think it's probably going to be something we retrospectively look back on and be like, what the fuck were we thinking? Like, what a weird reaction. Well, who's we? Because it's not like this was a group decision. (laughs) Well, I mean, a group decision in the sense that enough people were subservient to it, right? Even myself. Like, there were, listen, I found one, there was four countries you could travel to um, in 2020 after they locked everything down. One of them was Turkey. My wife happens to be Turkish. That's for United States citizens. That's weird as fuck to me that of all of the, there were four literal places, Mexico, 
uh, some weird African country that like you probably shouldn't be going to. Um, as some Caribbean nation. Was it Namibia? Turkey. I think it was like Namibia, which is it was like cute. Namibia. It was like Namibia is apparently a really really nice country. Yeah, so you could go there, and then Turkey, which for people who don't know, is one of the largest countries in the world, and literally connects Europe and Asia. So I started to understand that like functional aspects of global travel were still kind of open for service. If you have a private jet and you're in Europe, you can fly over to Turkey and catch a flight to New York on commercial. Like there's ways to kind of like do these things. So I started absolutely very early on questioning the premise of kind of like, what the fuck is going on here? Why are we all of a sudden literally shutting everything down? And also having that period to gauge for me and my family, is this safe? Is it going right. to kill someone? Like you have to ask those questions. You can't be so crazy to just completely oh, no, eliminate yeah. the thought that like this is something you should take seriously. Oh, I yeah. just said it, it very it, early. I mean, malevolent governments and actual diseases can yeah. coexist, unfortunately. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so like you had to gauge that kind of like response in yourself. But like with kids, to get back to the point with that, like yeah. you just have to basically figure out like what they're going to be exposed to. I was very lucky that my kids were just young enough that my oldest one was in kindergarten last year. So at the beginning of the pandemic, it was still like preschool stuff. And at preschool, like really you're just interacting with other kids. Like it's not like you're falling behind academically or like there's some, not even that that's that important, but like, you know, you're not like moving up in some serious way in a school system, which I'm really as a parent, really beginning to question like at a serious deep fundamental level where I don't want to be a weirdo who homeschools my kid, but I'm also, I have so little faith yeah. in the things that are being taught to children. Even yeah. I'm there I with you. I mean, I can't, I can't like the thought of, <sighs> I mean, let alone, I hate to even bring this up, but I mean, you know, school shootings and things like that. It's like the idea yeah. of just like turning your kids over to the system is, yeah. I don't know how, I would, how I would deal with that. I would not be, Super excited yeah, about it. Yeah, I have them in Waldorf school now. Oh, that's because, cool. Because uh, Steiner was a badass in a yeah. lot of ways. Um, so I like that, but also like that comes with its downside too. Like people, it is not utopian. Is like, it just think like of the weird type hippie. of people? Yeah, it's like super hippy dippy, but also kind of like logistically run. How I worked with a lot of nonprofits in my life professionally. They're not run well. Not, <laughs> okay. Like it is a hallmark of a nonprofit organization <laughs> okay. that they are typically not run well at a certain subset. I should say you should you should that try is, out a uh, Donda Academy. Yes, <laughs> like and I, oh, this is. I mean, speaking of the man himself, there. Like, I am a huge Kanye West fan. I'm also Jewish. I I'm not a fan of him and like the dumbass shit that he says. Yeah. but I also am someone who has been classified as manic at one point in my life and diagnosed and got off the medicine and got off the diagnosis. So I really do sympathize with a lot of what he says, but I also like you, you would hope someone with that, with that much sway and collective consciousness, attention and awareness would vet some of these things a little bit better (laughs) before putting them on blast, like internalize it a little quicker. It's clearly not, like something he can do. So I don't really like ultimately condemn him for that. Well, but apparently like, from the stuff that's coming out, I mean, he's been stewing on that one for a while. I mean, even like ex employees yeah. are coming out and saying like, yeah, like he was like talking about how great Hitler was and around the office all the time. And, and you know, this is like three or four years ago. So 
which like to me is horrible. And I'm not apologizing or making excuses for that. I understand how people make those jumps in their respective minds. Like Hitler unequivocally, not a guy to listen to, not a guy to follow, <laughs> whatever brilliant pieces of wisdom you're going to get out of Mein Kampf, you're probably better off just missing it and finding some other things like, you know, Joseph Murphy or someone like you're, there's better shit you can do. So like, I, I just, it's unfortunate that it perpetuates stereotypes that are clearly not true now, on some level, yes, there are a lot of Jewish people in Hollywood and a lot of Jewish people in the record industries and the music industry, but that's also tradition and the banking industry. I think like a lot of people, if they're not familiar, like the reason most Jewish people are so prominent in the banking system is because those are unsavory jobs yeah. for Europeans. That was no one wanted yeah, yeah. to be the person who's like, I'm making money off of you. So they pushed yeah. the only people who needed real, they got displaced to do this stuff. And so like, that's the same with the entertainment industry, right? It's just like, that was considered, you know, a job that nobody wanted to do. Yeah. 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 It was like, it was a joke. And so you were a jester, right? You know what I mean? You weren't a respected, you know, producer of films. And so like, also because of that being a case, you have Harvey Weinstein's and like all of these people who are in prominent positions and whose companies, unfortunately, need some really good movies, but is, is a horrible person. Yeah. This is a bad, a bad egg, but it's easy to kind of perpetuate that stereotype. And it's just, it's not good. And it doesn't affect, you know, I, I, one of my episodes was, I got some pushback for this one. I was like, what if Hitler made dope beats? Like, what if Hitler actually made dope beats? Like, what if they were just unequivocally jams? Like, would you be able to sit like there and Hitler, be like Hitler Youth drum drum marches? Yeah, whatever it is. He just like he was nailing this shit, and like you know, hundred years down the line, like people, yeah, that's good. But the point isn't like I don't think that someone was like, well, Hitler would never, he would never do that. He, I was like, of course not. Like, I'm not. It's not the point. And no one, I think, with that much hatred, although on the novelty curve, we're probably not that far off from someone being ideologically very aligned with a Hitler type figure and making art that maybe to a large subset of people who maybe even don't like that person is subjectively good. I think that is probably something we're destined to experience, which is unfortunate. Why, why, do, why, why is it's interesting you say in, in art instead of politics, why art? Politics already happened that number one, like we're already seeing like there are aspects as much as people may not want to admit this of what Trump did politically and kind of like structurally, logistically that are very savvy, that are very like legitimately like well-reasoned, even if he never thought about a day in his life, they make sense. Politically, the novelty curve, we hit that with Trump. I think it could still get weirder. He can come back. There can be people. We could have The Rock doing wild That's shit. Gonna be hard to, it's going to be hard to top, though. I mean. <laughs> we say that, but we think that all the time. And then, like, what do we yeah. say in our lives? Obvi- like, every yeah, yeah. fucking time, it's something weirder. So I just, to me, I look at it from the art modality because I feel pushed to that point in a lot of ways with Kanye. Like I would be lying if I said I listened to as much Kanye today as I did maybe three months ago. He's, right. I was yeah. still really like playing a lot of jams and I like him. And I really like even a lot of his religious stuff. I saw in LA the the Sunday service at oh. the LA College. It was amazing. Was that was with, like with one, Marilyn Manson? No, he wasn't there. It was um it was just kind of all normal people that day. But the choir itself was incredible incredible like truly like one of the best live performances i've ever seen in my life 
So I really appreciate him from an artistic standpoint. Um, but yeah, and I think ultimately with Kanye, and it's like this is my real like hard take on this. I think his externalization of God and a deity is probably what's at the root of the schism between not being able to clearly see the oneness of everyone, but that the words you say and the things you emit can vibrate at a level that is hurtful to people. That like that that's what he seems to not really like he's got the righteous zealotry, but if he believed in his power to kind of like ultimately and had more awareness of his uh, ability to like make people feel good and inspired, then he probably wouldn't think that there's some guy in the sky or Jesus who's coming around and like going to bless him with some good stuff, some good juice like that. So you're saying that like it's the say more about that. The schism is projecting God outward yeah, instead of think- internally. Yeah, I think if you can adapt the mindset that God is I am, it is this sense of consciousness itself on one level that absolutely means you are God. When people are telling stories of the creator, that's you. But you have to be able to, A, usually with um, a lot of magical and religious scripts, read the metaphors. Don't take this stuff literally. Don't miss the point entirely, but realize these are narratives about your own creative power. You're really homing in on like what we're kind of experiencing here. But the more you say there's something outside of me and that's the thing that's creating these circumstances or situations or has this power over me, you're playing this game of three card Monty and you're always yeah. losing it. And well, like, you're also projecting yourself on that thing and, and saying, this is, you always see this yeah. people who say that God's talking to them. It's just like, well, it's weird that he's telling you all the stuff that you clearly want to be true. Right. <laughs> and, or that you want other people to do. And, and, and that is like a, I mean, that, that's a thing you learn when you do a lot of magic. That's something you learn pretty quick. The it's like all all yeah. these things are projections, you know? I mean, even Jung was talking about, I'm a big Jung fan. Like, you know, he was very clearly identified something that happens in his type of psychoanalysis where people project their shit onto him. And like this, oh, this sure. just by talking about subconscious and unconscious material that emanates in dream form, it creates a connection and it can really get wonky. And I think we are constantly doing that far be it for me to ever suggest at this point in my life that like, I fully realize God consciousness. I try to remember it as much as possible and be aware of like my mental diet and things that I'm kind of parsing and believing about life and myself, but I'm not batting a thousand. I know that, but I think that's part of like what we get to experience in this incarnation as best as I can tell that can change. It's always subject to change, but like that seems to be the name of the game. And I, I think like a lot of people, like I can't imagine getting at to Kanye's level of fame and having to process what the implications of like just living your life are. Do you know what I mean? Like that's nor would I really want that. Like who wants to like, you think a thought and you say it like if you and I think a thought on Twitter, even if we had 10 times, 20 times the amount of followers and reach that we had, like it wouldn't have this global impact of like, you are an idiot. You're the dumbest person. And then some people be like, you're the smartest person. Like that's a lot of mental and psychic pressure. Yeah. And so I try to be like lenient with people. Um, and that's clearly something they want to experience. I also try to remember that this is something they're looking for as an experience, whether they know it or not. Right. And- well, I mean, this is just part of, I mean, we're we're all learning so fast. 
I think that, I mean, this kind of brings in a few things we were talking about earlier, the idea that we're all in a field of consciousness and we're all connected. I think that's just common sense. I don't think that's mystical or whatever. I just think that's just how it is. Um, if you don't see that, then, you know, I don't know, go outside yeah. more. But um, the uh, But the other one being free speech. It's like, yeah, I am a free speech absolutist, but you know, I'm, I'm also a believer. It's like, you got to be willing to deal with the consequences of what exactly. you say, you know, like don't say free speech, but then get surprised when people get angry at what you say. I mean, you got to be able to deal with that. It's like, you have to take responsibility for what you're, what you're putting out there, you know, for yeah. right, freedom is, is, you know, that it's, it's not just a freedom, it's a responsibility, you know, and we, now we have this technology, which inter, instantly interlinks all of our minds and it's the most magical thing imaginable. You know, we're all, we're in a shared consciousness. And it's like, well, you can't just say like, well, it's just a tweet, bro. You know. It's, to me, it's weird that like, I, I look at comedy a lot um, and comedians as kind of like really like sages of being able to look behind the veil in a yeah. lot of ways and look at it in a way and make it funny. Well, their role also is to point at, to, to point at what is not okay. It's like to poke at the taboos and, and demonstrate is, what, what the sore spots are in a culture. And they need to be able to do that. And, and to me, one of the things that I've been seeing emerge in the comedy world, and it's interesting to see different comedians take, like Chappelle really put it in focus for me. Like I thought his set at SNL was pretty funny and pretty great. And I laughed a lot. However, I do somewhat question the idea that his speech is being infringed upon or others is being infringed upon. I don't think that's what's going on. Right. You're allowed to say those things. It's the feedback you get from it. You may not like, and people may be saying, you're not allowed to say that you're not, but they're not actually the people who get to decide whether right. you are allowed to say that. And Chappelle knows this better than anyone because he's literally like people have tried to cancel this dude pretty fucking hard over the past yeah, yeah. years over a lot of his comments. And he's fine. And he's totally fine. And I, again, Always kind of goes back to the same thing for me, but that's because he's stabilized after going through a wonky period, his perspective on who he is, how the world works and like what's going on. I just think it's not necessarily an attack on free speech An attack. No, on it's free not. Speech is attack, attack, yeah, yeah. No. And this is, this is, I think something really important to remember. It's like, you know, living in a country with no, with no free speech, what that actually looks like is you get a knock on the door in the middle of the night. Right. That's because, because you said like, you don't like the leader maybe. You know, yeah. it's like that, that's not, that's not what's going on. Um, and it, there is a certain ingenuousness to it also. It's like this cancel culture argument. I mean, you see people yeah. like Jordan Peterson saying they're being censored. And meanwhile, he's like sold more books than most people in human history. It's like these people who are saying that they're being canceled, like have the big, literally the biggest platforms for communication in human history and everyone's listening to them. And one thing that really drove this point home for me is, okay, let's say that cancel culture is real. Okay. Well, um, the, I would assume that the biggest indicator of it would be what books are banned. Okay, great. So I looked up the what are the top 100 most banned books in America? It's not 12 Rules for Life. The first one is uh, Sherman Alexie, a kid's book about life on an Indian reservation. Oh, God. Right? Every, almost every single book on the top 100 um, banned books list is basically a personal narrative about from people of color, LGBT kids, you know, Native Americans. And it's like, well, there you go. There's your... 
you know, the, <laughs> and it's, it gets tough because I think there's a natural, it's like a, they use this in crypto a lot, this term, like a, a beach ball being held underwater. So like we do get this effect of if there have been oppressed and repressed segments of society, which there always are, it's just how things balance out at times. It's not good. It's not necessarily as bad as people think it is a function when that ball I don't, yeah, I would comes say out of the water. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's objectively bad things, but it's like, I try to look at this from like a, not like a ethical standpoint because it's shit that happened. I didn't make the decision to do it. Right. I'm not bearing ethical responsibility for something. Well, I, I'm an anarchist, so I'm all for and, uh, human liberty. Yeah, and that makes sense too. And like, I also just like wonder, like people are very quick to say, well, I would never become a Nazi. It's like, yeah. Yeah, you would. You, yeah, you, you don't, you probably right. would. You, you probably, probably already are and you don't yeah. realize it. You know? it's like, like if the way it was as easy as shopping at Amazon, <laughs> you probably would have become a Nazi. Like let's not, but so my point is this is like, I try to, I don't try to draw like moral equivalencies there in terms of like what people are doing, but the bounce, the ball, when it comes up out of the water, you're going to get trans people being upset at everything. Not all trans people, but some trans people who have felt repressed and oppressed, which is absolutely true, yeah. getting upset at everything. You got to just allow that steam to blow off. If you start getting mad at that, you are going to create this like reflexive reciprocal property, which is not going to be pleasant for anyone. It's just going to be this wildly swinging, like if you're on a ship and the mast I've unfortunately been on ships where this has happened, <laughs> whipped aside because they're not stable. It's like a terrifying, not fun experience. So just like allow people to like off gas. Don't take it too seriously. Um, and like, if you don't pay that much attention to this stuff, you'd be surprised how temporal so much of it is. Like it really doesn't impact you as much as you think it does. No, for sure. It, I mean, for me, like the whole thing about this, this, the the Twitter wars, the cancel culture wars yeah. is like, for me, you know, the shocking thing is not that, Oh my God, people are it, for, for me, the shocking thing about cancel culture is like, okay, so people are saying mean things to you on Twitter. Why do you care? You know, it's like, you're some rich comedian. Why do you care that people are shit talking you on Twitter? I mean, like this could have been solved really easily and it's called like putting your phone down. You know, you it know only why. becomes a thing if you react to it. But you know why? Because there, everyone has that thing that when they do something, they had this thought was like, is this this kind of thing? Like, am I being kind of a <laughs> dick or whatever it is? And then someone keys in on it like a really good bully who makes fun of the most specific thing and just to mentally torture you. Unfortunately, I've been on both ends of that. Like, you... It's just like there's something in you that is going to vibrate at that yep. thing. And you're going to go, fuck this person and either make it like a subtweet, like a big party or yeah. whatever it is. Like, it's just like, I, well, I used to have, I used to have a real problem with this. I mean, it was like Ooh. an addiction of just like, I would, I, I called it getting into the mosh pit, you know, the comment section and going back. Cause it, it's like a rush, you know, it's like a video dopamine. game and it's really destructive. And now, thankfully, I just don't have that. But I had many years where, you know, I was spending days on end just like fighting people in comment sections. It's a total waste of time. But me too. You know, hopefully you can grow out of I mean, that's where I guess like what happened, I guess, for you and for me and for a lot of other people is you just realize the like futility and frivolity of doing stuff like yeah. that. And like you just recognize, I got better shit to do with yeah. my attention and awareness. It's not anything more complicated than that. It's just the 
intolerance for that in your life because it's not, it's like a food you maybe used to love that was like really sugary and sweet. And then you got older and you're like, this is disgusting. Like yeah. Hawaiian punch or some shit, like whatever it is. <laughs> and just be like, this is like, why do people, but that's kind of how we just start recognizing certain behaviors that we engage in that just give us literally, they don't give us that dopamine. They don't give us the satisfaction. And you kind of get to direct that a little bit. Like we are always choosing in some small or big way, like where we're putting our focus and yeah, yeah. a meta awareness of where you're putting it is basically like the skill, I guess we try to cultivate. Absolutely. Right? I mean, that's, that is the skill of reality jumping. Yeah. But a big yeah. part of awareness is it's not necessarily even just choosing where you're putting your awareness. It's choosing how you react to things. Well, I mean, that's the whole, you could place your awareness and summon forth and manifest a wonderful, beautiful utopian reality for yourself. But if you don't react <laughs> the right way to it, that should You'd still be miserable. It's not, you might even be there. You might be even in it. I think we There's are in the it. Thought. It's we, things of course are pretty we good. are. Yeah, yeah. Of course, if you've ever in your life had the ability to feel as though everything is perfect, that place is still here. It didn't go away. Still yeah, yeah. here. It's no, I'm a big believer in that. I think that the fall, the I, 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 I uh, the fall from the Garden of Eden is a is an atemporal moment. It's, we're we're still in it. We just decided we weren't in it. That's the fall. And we move in and out of it, but here because of duality, because of this binary separation of so many forces, it's really hard to stabilize. You, you like the saints and the mystics who really genuinely seem to be able to do that and sure. we're really actually doing, they're not that many of them. It's not like we have a preponderance of people. I'm sure there's more than we know about, of course, but like, it's not littered with like tales of people who are able to maintain unity consciousness. Oh, but we got tons of, it's okay. Cause we got tons of people on social media who, <laughs> who are now ascended masters and want to tell us I mean, all about their, <laughs> that, their realization. I never, I never understood. I mean, I, I get the impulse, I guess, like when you have them, like if someone takes ayahuasca or has a profound LSD or mushroom trip, you come out of it and a natural inclination is to want to share the experience yeah, and like yeah, kind of bring yeah. people into the community get that impulse. That to then works, but yeah. identify yourself with that. And I mean, who just wants to be preaching that shit constantly? And I ironically say this because I do with my podcast in many ways over and over again, talk about the same type of shit. And I just fundamentally don't view it as preaching because I'm not trying to convince anyone. Like if, if people hear it and they run with it and they test it and they prove it to themselves, wonderful. That is my intention. But like someone who is vehemently against whatever I'm talking about, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Total, yeah turn the yeah, channel. Like, yeah, totally exactly. cool. I don't need- I No, that's always like interest. when people get on my case about, you know, anything that I say, it's just like, okay, well, just don't listen to my show. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so this is easily easy. solved. Life is short. So There's so many things you could be doing. It's like, if you don't like me, I'm, my fifis are not hurt. Okay. Like I'm not the guy for you. That's fine with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're also joining the majority in my case. Trust me, way more people don't oh, listen yes. to me. Yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. even have no, to feel sure. like there's any like movement. Galvanizing. No, 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 definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, oh man, it is, it is the, 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 our current moment though is very disorienting and, and often disheartening. I have to say just because there's so many fast movements of people choosing different realities and, and, um, People are in survival mode still. I think you know they're they're rea very reactive. I I generally move through these global shifts a little bit like 
I don't get freaked out by the external stuff so much. The stuff that really gets to me in my life is like my personal machinations and just like stuff like that. The outside stuff, it like I find it generally entertaining. Like here's also the luxury I have, especially like just looking at like the FTX situation. I never in a million years would have been affected by that. It's just not something that could have realistically happened to me. So I can take the stance from afar and be like, holy shit, this is a fucking going to be a great movie. Like, this is going to be incredible. Who's going to, Jonah Hill is going to play fucking (laughs) Sam Bacon free. Like, we love this shit. But like, ultimately, like a lot of this stuff, you have to, the Trump stuff, all of this stuff. When Trump, the day he got elected, I was upset, but I was like, I don't think this is going to be as big of a deal. That was my stance as I thought it was. From that day on, I moved gradually to the place where I found it legitimately entertaining. Oh, yeah, yeah. And people, yeah. And, yeah. and then when you can get to that place with most you, things. You have to just to keep your sanity. You know, it's like after. I think that's true, too. Yeah, you know, it's like after, after Trump was elected, I, I felt like. I felt like I've been hit in the head and I spent yeah. literally like I was punch drunk and I spent the first two weeks just like yelling yeah. at people on social media nonstop and just like raging and like just like like a little kid running at a wall and hitting his head <laughs> over and over again for like two weeks. And then I burned out on that and I was like, okay, this is actually pretty hilarious if you really, it is. <laughs> if you really think about it. And like that really people be like, well, this is government he's in charge of nukes their state secrets like yeah that, it's guys. awful i mean life is a farce you know it's like That's... it's like it's, it's like king lear or something like that i mean it's just ridiculous but you can't i mean so many people were in that zone. a lot of people are still there they're, they're still like ah, who's there. with me i would crawl over barbed wire and broken glass with no shirt on to vote against trump he's the tangerine hitler and all of this stuff it's just like Damn. okay it's... we've heard it we've heard it we know we know he's like a Boorish galoof. That's like he's nothing more. He's, or less he's than literally that like your racist day. dad that yells at Fox News while eating fried chicken. Yeah, and you know? it's like, it's guess like, what? That's a archetype in modern culture. They'll have tarot cards with Trump oh, on yeah. them in the future, looking back where he embodies a certain type of particular energy. Th- this is going to be an unpopular opinion, but <laughs> speaking of uh, consciousness projections, you could not get a better symbol of what America is than Trump. You really could not. If you like, if you really objectively look at America, I know people have all these like, like, you know, highfalutin heroic ideals about America and Medide and all this stuff. It's like America to me is like people pushing each other out of the way to get free samples at Costco. Like that's America, right? And it's like, if you really pooled together our collective bullshit, you would, you would get Trump. It's like, you would have to like invent him if he didn't exist. It's like, and you hopefully so. should be able to see the parts in yourself where there are probably very few people go like, yeah, I have parts of me that are like Trump. But I guarantee there are more of us who have those qualities than we'd like to admit. The just ability to exaggerate innocuously, like for no reason sometimes. Things like everyone has done that. There's not one person who I'm did the like, best inc- at everything. Just yeah, ask anyone. Just, like, <laughs> no one stays in that no vibe like because it's ridiculous. <laughs> but like also like I love that when he does that shit to me it's the funniest thing because like it's like an Andy Kaufman thing like you don't even know if like he has the ability to hear how ridiculous it is or if he knows that it's that ridiculous and he's doing it because he knows no matter what it still works like there's this the fact that you can't tell is what makes it funnier yeah, there's like, there's like a certain lack of self-awareness. And then like, yeah. you're like, wait, this guy has nukes. And then at a certain point, you just got to be like, well, that makes it even funnier in a, in a yeah. certain way. 
I mean, but it's I it's look, horrible, but like you got you got to keep your sanity. And like I do think, like as much as the shadowy, dark, evil cabal of people who run society are, they don't want it to blow up. So no. I do believe there is a self-preservation aspect of this reality. Like I was joking about this as much as you can joke about it with my wife. Like, you know, I was like, it would be a shame if we do end in nuclear Armageddon because I didn't see that coming. I firmly right. believe that's not really going to happen. And I would just be like, the nukes are coming. I'd be like, damn, I was really <laughs> fucking wrong on this shit. Once. Yeah. Yeah. Did not really have the power to control as much as I thought I did. No, I had a really I, scary moment like two weeks ago where I woke up from a nap just like with the thought in my head, like Putin's going to drop a nuke. And like I hadn't been thinking about it at all. Like it wasn't a thing. And then I looked it up and like I just got on the news and like people, that was when people were first starting to talk about that being a possibility. Yeah. And I was just like, it was just like that, the eeriest thing. It's just, I like, just like, it's hard for me. Like I get the like going out with a bang type of thing. Like if you're going to die, if you're really sick or like, you know, you're going out, like why not blow it all up? What a like mark on society. But I ultimately don't think anyone really truly wants to embody that much of the destroyer. I am destroyer of world's energy as an individual. That's a little too heavy of a right. type for people. Like you don't want to be Brahma. You're, you're okay. Well, you're you know, I'm, I'm also, I mean, in line with the stuff we've been talking about, I'm not, uh, um, I'm a big, I'm not necessarily a big theory in individual actors. I think that even like, like people like Trump are manifested by big groups of consciousness. Collective consciousness. Yeah. I mean, they're, like they're man. Them. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's the thing about America. Everyone's like, Oh, fucking Trump. It's like, well, like you're, manifesting him i mean like that's the thing with you know uh liberal people freaking out about him 24 7 it's like, why are you putting so much energy into why him? like you love this guy why don't you marry him you know it's like why do you think about him 24 7 like my line with trump was always like trump doesn't get to live in my head he owns enough real estate as it is he doesn't get yeah. free rent. you know it's like but like it's like people he's like the you know the it's like the kayfabe in pro wrestling. He's like the evil wrestler that everyone loves to hate. It's like, oh, yeah. this fucking guy. And then there are those of us, I guess, who are looking at it and go, this is wrestling. This is scripted. And it's kind of funny. And it's like, you know, maybe not the thing I watch all the time. But if I see like some weird shit, like someone jumping off like a steel cage, you know, like I'm going to fucking pay attention for a second. But I like, I don't know, like his his energy to me, is usually entertaining. Um, if he was president again, I wouldn't lose my shit. I don't <laughs> a lot think, of people would. Well, oh my God, people will. And I think that would also be equally entertaining. I don't <laughs> think we're going to have another like insurrection if that's people like that was weird to me too. What, and, like, what, were, your thoughts on, what were your thoughts on that? I'm I curious. mean, I was just, I was like most people, I was just like, what the fuck is going? Like, this is insane. Because I did realize like, this is not a joke. These people aren't, joking like it they may be you know goofy and weird but like they're in the motherfucking i grew up outside of dc like i know those buildings very well i protested outside of the supreme court i'm ashamed to say when al gore with the chads in 2000 like i've been to these places like it's it's crazy that someone's in nancy pelosi's office right it's crazy that there are people like trying to find mike pence to hang him to lynch him like this is mind-blowing i feel terrible for the police and it's rare i'm not, I'm not like a, a police lover by most most 
ways, like they're pretty destructive. But like, can you imagine being a Capitol Guard dude? Like, dude, first of all, you're probably like not doing that well in life. It's not a high paying job. You're guarding this thing. You probably say hi to the senators and the Congress people. Right. It's a, it's a normal job. Most days of your life. Then all of a sudden you have all of like, you know, uh, tens of thousands of deranged, crazy Midwestern white people storming your fucking doors. Like what? is going on like that's crazy to me that that was something that happens but again on the novelty curve i mean you got to admit the fact that there was a furry viking in is pretty of fucking course funny. like it's that's, pretty the, fucking that's what funny. everyone remembers I mean, too that's what everyone the first thing you say when when anyone says january 6 is not this mark black day on american history it's the dude with the viking horns and the furry stuff standing at the th- like that's it that's what people actually remember. That's the optics of the situation for better, or for worse. And people didn't make it like that. That and, guy and made people, it like that. F- people forget that, you know, the run up to that is that the government had shut down everything. They had ruined every people's lives. There was mass violence true. in cities all over America. Things were on fire. People's livelihoods, everything they'd spent their whole life working for was being destroyed overnight. And you had like basically people like Kamala Harris egging it on and saying they were going to raise funds for protesters and saying like, well, you know, and, and also that suddenly the COVID rules were suspended because mass violence is okay. And, uh, that was directed at normal people, but now all they talk about is, well, a furry got into the white house. It's like, yes, a furry got into the white house and I'm sure it was very bad, but the problem is, is that that's how we work right now because our, we're in such a visual like we're moving to VR we're trying to immerse ourselves as much as possible in like the visual you know audio as well but visual realm of and what we see we remember it's hard like you until you just mentioned it i didn't think about the context of it at all right it didn't like oh it, it never moment, never escaped me for a moment it's because you're probably a much deeper thinker than i am well and no unfortunately, no I'm, not at all it's because i was caught up in the violence in california and had to flee, oh, i had shit. to leave the state yeah, that'll yeah. do it. Yeah, that'll do it. For but I mean, like to me, I was in upstate New deep York about it. and international. That's true. Like I basically was just like um, immune from most of this stuff, for lack of a better word. And to me, I always had the luxury of looking at it kind of like from afar, which is my. I'm very comfortable with that type of relationship with politics and those types of cultural things. Now. Am I comfortable with a government imposing its will on individuals? Not really. But for me personally, I did more international traveling during the pandemic than I had done in the previous 15 years of my life. So like I, for whatever reason, found a way to circumvent which were supposed to be the most restrictive times. In some ways, when I was here, they were. But again, as we mentioned, I didn't mind it that much. It wasn't like that big of an imposition to me. But I get for people who really, they need that in their lives, how that pent up kind of energy needed to be expressed. But yeah, all I remember is the Viking guy with the fur. Right, I mean, right. that's all I probably will remember. Well, in, you in, pointed this out. In, in urban Los Angeles, I mean, like in urban Los Angeles, it was a little different. It was like they, they shut down the state. Nobody was allowed to work, yet they changed the law so that any crime under $1,000 was okay. So people are just stealing everything left and right. There's Holy just shit. mass scale 
just heroin use, homelessness, just everything's falling apart. Things were on fire all the time. The air was filled with so much smoke that it looked like Hong Kong. And then, or excuse me, not Hong Kong, you know, like uh, uh, Shanghai or something like that, where where you see the pollution so bad that the, the, the skyscrapers disappear. That's what was going on. Meanwhile, the governor is going out, like, you know, going to dinner without a mask. They're changing the rules constantly. And it was just like Lord of the Flies. And it wasn't just Lord of the Flies. It was like Lord of the, it felt like Lord of the Flies that was intentionally being, it was like Batman Begins or something. It's like they're like, or Dark Knight Rises. Like they're they're intentionally trying to create this murderous situation yep. to just like, for whatever reason. I mean, the only, the only logical thing that I could think of was just to chase people out so they could get the real estate cheaply. Um, but it was it was a nightmare. I mean, I've never seen anything um, like that. And uh, I'm very bitter about it. And, you know, I... Yeah, because you lived there for so long. Yeah, I grew up there. That's my home. You know, and I left my f- friends and family to get away with uh, from it and, and lost my uh, girlfriend in the process, you know. But it's like I had to get away from it. And now I'm much more comfortable. But uh, it's just a nightmare. And, and uh, the worst That's part, crazy. of course, is the gaslighting where people don't believe you when you tell them. What? It's like, well, what are you, a Trump person? Like... No, but this what shit kind is of, real. Like, what kind of like that to me? It's weird that people would challenge someone's personal experience. Like if you're following like talking points or something like that, but like when someone's like, "No, this is how it was." Like well, where cognitive dissonance is a real thing. I mean, people in California have convinced themselves that it's like that cartoon of like the dog in the burning room. Like this is fine. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, it's just. That shit is is crazy to me. I mean, LA is a, also LA is just such a wild place. Like it wasn't California. always. It was really nice until Gavin Newsom became governor, and then it turned overnight. It was it really that like that radical of a shift? Because I've yes, heard it was. About him. Yes, yeah, it I've was. Heard that. Yes, I've it was. That. It was. So night what's and day. his deal? What's his deal? <laughs> other than wanting to be president? Like it's just all like a political theater and maneuvering to be able to be at the high. Uh, I mean, that's what people do. I don't know. I mean, I think that. I don't know. I mean, the guy's a clown, but you know, people believe they're doing the right thing. Like, I don't, I don't believe in people are like scheming and trying to be evil. It's like people have a certain, he he has a certain approach that, um, for him seems like the right one, but I don't know. I mean, I I gave up trying to figure it out. I just needed to get away from it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. That sucks, man. Like I can't imagine being forced from a place that I like wanted to live in and grew up in and, you know, choose chose to live in being forced from it i mean yeah. la is also just like i i had the luxury of spending a bunch of time there just before the pandemic literally i think a month before that, that february i was still there um it's so cool like it's a really like magical yeah, it is like, it's great freaky deaky place like it sucks that it, it and i noticed the first few times i had visited back 2019 18 um, as an adult like the homelessness thing was ramping up yeah and you were yeah, still, like yeah. i remember literally first time I got there, I was in like the art district. Like someone had a a gallery they had built there near Koreatown or something. And there was a horseback police in LA, which is a weird enough site. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Chasing a homeless person. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I was like, that's a weird thing I haven't seen. Well, the thing about it, they talk about about it, like the homelessness crisis. And then it's like, you just sound like a dick or it's like, Oh, what? You don't like to see homeless people. Like you fucking Richie McRich, like, Oh God. Um, But no, that's not it at all. I mean, there, there were, 
quote unquote homeless. What a, a lot basically they just dumped the prisons out onto the street because they yeah. didn't want to pay it anymore. So they just like took all the basic they just dumped all these people out of the social services onto the street. That's been going on for a while, but it was a huge overnight thing. All everyone's on drugs. Uh, yeah, like I would literally walk out of my house and somebody would be like wiping their ass with a whole thing of uh, paper towels. People I've be, seen newspaper in New York. I've oh, nice, yeah. a, a woman, yeah, newspaper. People are like shooting up liter- literally under every single overpass, like in the, you know, I was watching people shoot up in the neck. Yeah. Just like walking around with no clothes on, just like in, you know, people who are off their lithium, you know, or like need serious medication. They are non functional human yeah. beings. Uh, and a lot are violent, and I would just get chased down the street by people yeah. just leaving the house. You know, it's just like insanity. Um, and prior to that, you know, like I've been to India many times, and I, I always said, it's like, look, America's great no matter where you go. It's not going to be like somewhere like India, even the poorest places. Well, now that's not the case because LA is very much like that. Um, and there's just a fundamental disconnect between the Gavin Newsom's and Nancy Pelosi's of the world and the way that people actually live. If you live in a gated community, you just just don't see it. Well, that's the thing. That's what's so unique about LA in particular too. It's such a sprawled out city. Like people who have only like been to New York or like a condensed city, you don't understand. You have to drive. It's like a country. It's like a country. And so like there are areas where literally it's a war zone, but then you go somewhere else and it's like, you know, you're in the hills and like, the no, thing there's of, not a homeless person within, you know, a two miles. That, that evaporated though during the pandemic. It was ever like literally everywhere. And, and the, and the, t- the air was so toxic to breathe partly because of the fires that were happening in Oregon and things like that. But, Jeez. um, you couldn't get, it's like, even if, like I realized at one point, like, even if, you like bought a house for a hundred million dollars. You were like certified baller status, like David Geffen up in the hills. You still couldn't escape like the toxic air. You know, it's yeah, just awful. That's... I've heard that it's better now. I went back like last, actually a year ago, and it wasn't quite as nightmarish. But honestly, it was still really bad. And uh, I just I, I haven't been in in about four, three or three and a half years. That's pretty I much the to... time period that it's been collapsing in. I so. got in right before. The shit show. Well, I mean, I I love California. Yeah. Like I love Southern California. I think it's. I mean, there's, you know, unfortunately, part of the homelessness problem there too, and it has been because there's always been a large homeless population. Is like if you're homeless, it's not the worst place to be. Oh it's no. Like, yeah, you're not gonna better. you're not gonna freeze to death. You get on a bus to L.A. You save up whatever scratch you have to get out there. Like there's there's probably a life just in terms no, it's of so tolerance. crazy though. Tolerance. I mean, it's like everyone's on meth and there's like some new form of meth that everyone was taking that literally just like scrambles people's brains. And like, they're like getting, they were getting, you know, there's like black plague on skid row. There's leprosy. There's like these like diseases that you couldn't even call them third world diseases because they don't, they've eradicated them in the wow. third world. Needle so sharing. I mean, it's, oh, that's for, how you oh, do yeah, it. Oh yeah, absolutely. So for me, it just seemed tar- like at a certain point, it just seemed like, just malevolent and targeted, which is maybe, maybe, maybe true, maybe not. But it was just like, it literally felt like I was living in a Batman movie where they were trying to collapse the city for whatever financial reasons. That's so, crazy. Yeah. That's really so, so going, going through that and then, oh no, there's a furry. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, what, well, you what did you just do to why, everyone yeah. else? But yeah. yeah, it is, it is bad. It's a dangerous situation. Um, Yeah. Totally. It was it was to me also like the pandemic lockdowns and the way that um, local and federal 
authorities kind of were so easily able to impose lockdowns, like yeah. just like it, it was, it's pretty nuts. Like I people forget globally, I, I forget not just federally, federally worldwide. No. Local, yeah, yeah, like worldwide, of course. I mean, some countries took it a little bit differently, but I remember flying out in JFK to Istanbul in the in the height of the pandemic in 2020, and it was such a weird scene to see JFK like that because there was literally there were only Air France and Istanbul was uh, our Turkish Airlines was running um, Air France to get people back to France who were French or Americans back to the United States. And it was just like a regular airline. And I was just like, what is going on? And then you get to Istanbul and it's kind of like the United States. Now people should realize that it is an authoritarian regime. Like that should not be lost. People do get knocks on the door if they say something bad about their local political leader. That is a thing. But on all visual optics, it's just like here. Like it's a pretty liberal and free city, even though there's a huge Muslim and Islamic influence because of like strategic, you know, moves by Erdogan. It's pretty similar in a lot of ways. It's weird. And you would see the same schism without the vitriol. I will say people were still mad. I don't want to make it seem like it's that qualitatively different, but there were the mask people. There were the not mask people. Mm-hmm. There were the people who thought this was nothing. There were people who thought this was everything. Like that existed, but it wasn't like this clash. And also, Turkey just lied. They also just were like, <laughs> "No, it's not here." <laughs> what do you mean? It's like no one's dying. Yeah. What do you mean? And like, you know, some ways. Listen, <laughs> I've seen an authoritarian regime in a country that's run. They got really nice bridges. They got really nice infrastructure. There are rules to it. Is yeah, you don't want to ask how they built them. But yeah. yeah, don't ask, <laughs> don't ask why. <laughs> but there is a functionality to it. And so, like, you know, it's just weird. There's different approaches and how everyone wants to do this. I'm still happy I live in this country. I oh, yeah. am less yeah. happy I, about some of the things that go along with it. But yeah. it is still a relatively free place. Like, we can move Absolutely. to different states and, and we, do different we, shit. Yeah, and I think this has been a hopefully a wake-up call for people. It's like, <laughs> freedom ain't free, as they say. It's like, this is, you know, you see how fast it can go away. It's like, I just pulled up, you probably heard this before, Frank Zappa very famous, famously said in the 80s, this quote, the illusion of freedom will continue as long as it's profitable to continue the illusion. At the point where the illusion becomes too expensive to maintain, they will just take down the scenery, they will pull back the curtains, they will move the tables and chairs out of the way, and you will see the brick wall at the back of the theater. I thought, I thought about that a lot in 2020. It's weird that we needed something like that to fully kind of, or not we needed it, but like a large enough subset of people had to have. I I hope that it the lessons that we learned that we shouldn't be so willing to just kind of like give up fundamental things. Like yeah. I, I don't want to yeah. suggest that people should go out there with a deadly disease that, but like we 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 can look back now with enough even objective scientific work. I hope so. It's still pretty close. We're still pretty close to it. I know. Well, and also I still know people who are like, if you say you're unvaccinated, like really getting, well, that's a thing. I mean, like one of the, I feel like I lost my trust in just about everything (laughs) during this period, but like, you know, for me, the whole thing about like, well, well, great reset, Klaus Schwab, WEF, all that, like, okay. Yeah. But, and, and, but it's a bit of a non-starter just because, you know, the real realization for me is like totalitarianism is not like 
a dude in a black robe. Like maybe that guy's there like Klaus Schwab. It's everyone around you exerting social pressure on you 24 seven. And like, like you say, like maybe we needed this as a wake up call to value freedom. It's like, well, for most people, like they turned into like, you know, little Mussolini's like all of them, you know, it was just a nightmare, like uh, invasion of the body snatchers. So I, I don't know what happened there. I just remember people it's just mass psychology. I mean, it's, it's probably the same way it's been throughout history. It's just was so weird to me that this became such a big issue so quickly. I mean, maybe it was the, the anti-vax people, their, their, their consciousness needed that issue to be blown up because I had something I had thought about so little, even with kids, like I vaccinated my kids with all of the things um, you know, I, I never thought about any of this stuff and then just seeing, I, I'm not against someone who decides that they look at what they look at and say, I want to get vaccinated or I want to vaccinate my kid and I should get all the boosters. I think if you come to that conclusion, you're confident with all of the information out there. It's not my role to come and say, Oh, you shouldn't do that. But for me, my stance was always, Hey, listen, this shit is happening pretty fucking fast. Yeah. And Usually when we develop vaccines, I think they take a little bit longer to like kind of like roll this stuff out. And yes, it's a great American ingenuity and, you know, Pfizer and all these companies can come up with amazing things. Johnson and Johnson. Oh, yeah. Okay. There were shit going on with them. And if the chance isn't like really, really, really close to zero, meaning like not 10,000 weird things, not like... I'm going to pass for now because I also will then implement a strategy that makes sense for me. Right. And like, you know, well, the thing is, my- it's like, 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 I agree. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like people should have a right to choose for themselves is a pretty fucking basic common sense thing. You know, it's like, you know, other people's bodies are not your property. You would think that's a pretty basic common sense fucking thing. But you, you remember think- that whole moment where it was like, well, it's a Biden. It's a it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, now it's coming out that Pfizer didn't even no test shit. the fucking thing transmission. for transmission, and it doesn't prevent transmission. And now it's just not. like, oh, well, you know, yeah, and I knew that was going to happen. Of I mean, course, I, I got say that to someone. It's like, you could see this coming. If you saw, and I always say, like, if my wife, at, you know, was wanted to get vaccinated, I probably would have been vaccinated. I literally don't think that's going to be the thing that takes me down or fucks me up ultimately. But if I don't have to do it, like I don't get the flu shot because it's right. last year's flu. Right, right. Sure, it may be going around, but I'm not inoculating my sense a new against the new viruses, so I don't need to put that shit in my body. Listen. I'm not like the purest of what I put into my body. I eat a lot of shit. I'm just saying like, I don't need to add to it for stuff. I don't know what's going on. And I certainly don't want to inject it in my fucking body. Like, I think God. the whole thing was just, I mean, no matter what side of the fence you're on on that, and people obviously have very strong opinions about this. It's like, you got to admit that just like, if you look at that, like that was objectively fucked and terrifying. It's like you, like the government telling you, you have to genetically modify yourself. No, we're in the minority for believing that, though. I'm sure you know that. I mean, I, I, don't, I, think, I don't think so. I, I think I, that I, I don't know. I, I mean, I would hope not. But I mean, at least seemingly on the Internet, like, I mean, I have a on, on synchronicity. I talk about all the shit we're talking about, all the weird kind of like mystical stuff. I would talk about vaccines inevitably there would be an outcropping of people. I would talk about Donald Trump inevitably. We're aligned seemingly metaphysically in every single way, but like, man, you mentioned the wrong thing about the vaccines and I'm really like 
very neutral about it. I am not saying you're an idiot if you right, 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 right. I just came to the and I don't challenge your identity. And I think if someone if it came out that like this, I was totally wrong and this was an incredibly effective thing and like 99% of people never got COVID and never spread COVID or like even 80%, give me like a high percentage where I can like take it, then I'd be like, you know what? Maybe I, I probably should have got it and I'll maybe get it next time. But it's not like the data is going in that direction. Well, like you said, yeah. Pfizer's like, oh yeah, we didn't really ever test if people would spread this or not. We were just assuming it would protect enough people enough that this wasn't going to be an issue. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. I, well, I don't think I, yeah. I think, I mean, we're still so close to this event. I, I think that, um, like I posted on Twitter a, a while ago, it's just like, you know, we've, we've been through, I wouldn't even say like a traumatic event. Like this has been like a world war that everyone went I mean, through. It and it's like, war. there's a lot of, I mean, it was fast. It was confusing. It was, uh, heartbreaking in many ways. Uh, and, um, you know, it's going to take a while to process that trauma, but I think as that starts to unwind, assuming we don't go for another round of craziness, then we will, we will, you know, we will, like you can sense it too. It might not be a virus. It might not be a pandemic, but I do feel we'll probably have an, it probably, I mean, I think it's going to be the financial stuff just because they're so clearly setting the stage. And when I say they, I don't even mean they, I mean us, we're willingly creating these situations. Just for me, I view the imminent collapse of the global economic system to a, not be as catastrophic in a sense that it's going to be like flipped overnight, but it probably is going to create enough opportunity for people like me who like, kind of understand there is opportunity when things shift a little bit. It doesn't have to be everyone's shared vision of effective altruism, which by (laughs) by the way, best con ever. That is the best, most spiritual bypass shit ever. Oh yeah. I need all the money because I'm going to give away the most. Meanwhile, can I get a $60 million penthouse? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Funny funny how that worked out. To my penthouse. I love it. It's so perfectly like, it's so great. It's such a movie. I mean, well, I, We'll see what happens. I mean, like I've I've been on the precipice of global collapse so many times, and it never happens. So you it know, won't happen kind of, like that. It won't. No, but the financial systems are shifting. That this wealth that boomers accumulated and that generation all over the world accumulated does need to move. It does need to shift into different hands, and it's not going to be all through nepotism. There are going to be people who maybe were born into a very wealthy family who start getting involved with crypto, start getting involved with NFTs and maybe shift some of that money through bad investments to people who are more technologically savvy or are plugged into a community that is more altruistic in reality. I do think that is underway. I don't think it's like the WEF's vision, you know, of like the next industrial revolution. Well, these, these are just, no, I mean, the, these are inevitable movements though. I don't think there's going to be any type of collapse and, and we were talking about like Shiva the Destroyer and individuals uh, being manifested. But one thing, you know, it's like the other thing is like you got to remember the, the reality always manifests people to make things go right as well. And one of the most hilarious, you know, is like a backstop. And one of the most hilarious examples of that I just uh, found out about. So did you know that we almost went to thermonuclear world war in 1999? No. Okay. So when... NATO was probably on acid, and I definitely remember being in 1999 and having acid trips where I thought okay. nuclear war was. That was a good. Happen, that so. was a good year to be on acid. <laughs> so, uh, um, when NATO pulled out of Kosovo in 1999, the Russians showed up 
to, for to 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 move in as we were as we were pulling out. So the U.S. and, and England and Wesley Clark, General Wesley Clark, wanted to fight the Russians and just like go straight into conflict with them. And do you know who's? And this would inevitably have have escalated into war between NATO and Russia and probably nuclear exchange. And do you know the single person who stopped this? Uh, is it a, is it a politician? No, it was James Blunt. <laughs> How? <laughs> it, that James Blunt. Here's so How? okay. Check. Um. In 1999, Blunt volunteered to join a Blues and Royal squadron deploying with NATO to Kosovo, initially assigned to carry out reconnaissance of the North Macedonia-Yugoslavia border. Blunt's troop worked ahead of the front lines, locating and targeting Serbian forces for the NATO bombing campaign. On June 12, 1999, the troop led a 30,000-strong NATO peacekeeping force from the North Macedonia border towards Pristina International Airport. However, a Russian military contingent had moved in and taken control of the airport before his unit's arrival. American NATO commander Wesley Clark ordered that the unit forcibly take the airport from the Russians. General Mike Jackson, the British commander, refused the order, telling Clark that they were not going to start World War III for you. Blunt has said that he would have refused to obey such an order if General Jackson had not blocked it. So what they're leaving out here is that James Blunt specifically ordered, was was basically in charge of the actual troops on the ground and specifically ordered them not to fight the Russians. So James Blunt stopped World War III. That's that's reality for you. Well, that makes about. I mean, it's on the novelty curve. It's right in line where we are now. That's totally, totally makes sense. But holy shit! I mean, like, it is disturbing. I guess like it's like a virus, like uh, like that does get expunged or you get immune from. But the the desire to start that engagement with the Russians there, right? That's. I don't want to fight the Russians. I have. I don't. No, I, I've only had no. good experiences with Russians. Yeah, their girls are really attractive. Like, I mean, like I'm like genetically like almost a hundred percent Ukrainian. I don't have any real like cultural connection there, but like both sides of my grandparents, their parents are from Kiev. So like, I I don't have beef with any people. I think, I mean, the Ukraine thing is weird. I'm interested to get your take on it because I, I, I don't have any, I stand with Ukraine flags. I don't have let's exclusively destroy the monolith of Russia. I think what Russia is doing is wrong. It doesn't seem like you should invade other countries. Strategically, I can make an argument for why Putin is doing that and how the West is kind of agitating and not giving him a a way to get out of it. But like the Zelensky aspect of it is what I find most fascinating because he was a comedian, he was an entertainer. Have you seen the video where he was playing a piano with his dick? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look, look it up on YouTube. Oh my God. Like that's one of his, one of his comedy it routines. Does, it seems like he's, he's playing a role here and I would never want to eliminate someone's ability to transition into a new version of themselves, but the political posturing and how we funnel this aid to Ukraine, I don't know. It just seems like a little weird to me. It doesn't feel like we're getting the whole picture. Like why would we be obviously, but like, Something feels very weird to me about the whole situation. All I read every day is Ukraine is, you know, taking stuff that was captured and they're doing really well. And on one level, it makes me feel good because it's like the narrative of this war, which I'm very detached from, like most Americans, truthfully. 
like, yay, the bad guys are losing ground and the underdogs are coming back. Like, but on another level, I'm like, why? Why is this like what really is going on here? Like, let I me take can't know. Let me take a leak and then I will give you my take. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one. I mean, like my my summation of the world at this point is that it's all about real estate. I think war is always about real estate and it is about resources on that real estate, but ultimately it's about real estate in which light you might, (laughs) I've often thought about the uh, pandemic driving everyone out of work and then BlackRock Capital buying all the houses up. Yeah. Hmm. Funny how that worked out, especially in California where everyone was all, you know, driven out of their homes by multiple things, rioting, homelessness, fires, not being able to work, et cetera. Um, but if you look at it, I end up talking about this on every podcast now. I've been reading a bunch <laughs> of stuff by Timothy Snyder, who's a historian of of um, Eastern Europe, and he has a lot to say about it. Uh, the crazy thing is, if you look at it historically, World War II was fought over Ukraine. And like a lot of the history coming out, it's like like America doesn't really understand World War II because it was a European war. It was an Eastern European war. A lot of it happened behind the Iron Curtain, and we never saw it. So, including the Holocaust, almost all happened behind the Iron Curtain. So, we never saw the worst parts of it. Um, and, but a big reason, a big part of why the Holocaust happened was Hitler driving east because he wanted to conquer Eastern Europe, basically, like in the same way that the Americans did the Indians. And take it all as farmland. And specifically, the reason why Ukraine is so important is they have this thing called Black Earth, which is like super fertile soil that will grow stuff really fast. Yeah. And I don't understand what it is. There's only a few places in the world that has it. Actually, there's some in Texas and a few other places. But um, anything you plant there grows really fast. So Ukraine is strategically important because it's where all the world's wheat is grown or a big chunk of it. Huge, like 60, something insane. Oh, really? Way more. I don't know if it's 60. I could be wildly making that, but it's something like way more than you would think in terms. It doesn't really come here, I don't think, but like for Europe and Asia. I think a lot of it does does come here. They go through the strait. Also, that region is really unique geographically. Those seas there and how the continents and countries come together. Mm. It's because Turkey is right there too. I haven't been to that part of it, but like, it's a very interesting place in the world that we probably as Americans overlook, but yeah, it is. Keep going. Right. Like nobody even thought about it until this happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, reading, reading about a lot of, like, I, I, I literally end up talking about this on every podcast, this book bloodlands, which I highly recommend that he wrote, which was about just all the carnage that happened in between Germany and Russia in the thirties and forties. Uh, it's the most brutal book I've ever read. It is, it will fuck with you. It is what's the, it called? Bloodlands. Bloodlands. And it, it's a history of, basically, it's a history of the 30s and 40s of starting with the famine in Ukraine, going through the Holocaust, from the perspective of just like the human suffering, like just the perspective of like it f- was fucking ass to live in this part of the world in these two decades, like not telling it from telling it basically from both sides. Like basically, these people were getting it from both ends, not telling just the Soviet history or just the the Nazi history. Um, and it's just when you put all that stuff together, which apparently no one had really done till he wrote this book, it's just it it, it it's staggering 
just wow. like we like when you put together the famine in Ukraine, the cannibalism that happened on, under under communism, and then you add in uh, uh, the death camps, you add in the war, you add in uh, the Polish ghetto. You know, it's just like it's fucked. That and that's all. So like we could talk about it forever. I, I like that you focus on all the light and positive things in life. This oh, is oh yeah, we, no, we, no. We, I read about so this well. stuff for fun. No, like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I tell people like you know, I just, I just, I just code all day and work on spreading magic, and then for fun, I read about genocide. Um, yeah. I forgot you were coding. That's so fucking smart and awesome. I, it's like a pipe dream of mine. It's literally classic. Like I'll get high and be like, I should code, and then actually oh, you try. Should. It's not I hard. I don't though. I know it's not hard, and I really do know it is something that you can make your mind find engaging. It's just, I usually give up just after like a set period of time of like function calls and things like that. And like, I I have enough that like my coding knowledge is such that for the things I needed for, like I can look through, I can interact with an ether scan contract, right? I can look through and see if there's like clearly something wrong or how to, you know, that's that's pretty much the extent of where I can go with it. But I mean, right. it's so smart. It's like one of the smartest things you can do right now. Well, for me, I mean, I guess we're get, we're we're tangenting off genocide, but maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> no, uh, no, no. Uh, for me, thing. I, I mean, I <laughs> is um, maybe if you're coding uh, crypto. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I went through this experience of, of of basically fleeing a war zone in California, and then you know I moved to Texas, and then and then my relationship failed uh, when I got here, so I just lost everything, and it was utterly traumatic. And like I was like, okay, well, I can either completely lose my mind, or I can find something to focus on. And so I was like, I'm going to focus on coding because so nothing in my life is giving me a sense of control over my life. Mm-hmm. And that is just psychological death, as we all know, as as we all, I hope, know. It's like if you're in terrible situations, find something that you can feel like you have control that gives you control over your life, even Absolutely. if it's a small thing. Even right? if it's small, totally. So totally. for me, it's just been like this, like, it's like, like, literally, it's like literally every day has been, okay, I can wake up and think about everything that's happened and everything that I've lost. I can think about government, the government. I can think about vaccines. I can think about all this shit or I can. And, and, and I, and I know if I do that, I'm just going to get angrier and angrier and angrier all day. And it's not going to go anywhere. Um, or I can just focus on code. Right. So that's that's what I've been doing. That's super awesome because that's like the best alchemy anyone can have in life. It's like the I, it's like the I Ching flip, right? Like the I Ching, when you get to like a maximum uh, hexagram, it flips to the other side. It's like this quick shift into like the exact opposite. I don't know energy. if it's a quick shift. It's just, well, for me, it's just like a survival decision. It's like, but it is a pivot. It is. If there was a moment where you decided that I am going to do this yeah, thing and then you did it from there. I mean, that's literally how quick of a shift it might've been all the things in the world leading up to that. Like, but it's, well, I mean, I've been, yeah. Actual, yeah, that's No, that's bad. It's cause dude, I've tried to code two times. I, I, I recommend, I, like, I recommend serious trauma. It's, it's quite helpful. Really? Well, that'll put, <laughs> propel anyone to anything in life. I mean, I look back at any of mine and yeah, those are like, they're the worst and best times of your life where you are in the future usually. And you can usually retrospectively look at them and, and hopefully find some 
real function to them because otherwise I think then you just fall into like this dystopian, you know, like nihilistic. Yeah. And that, and that happens to people. And then Jordan Peterson comes along and (laughs) next thing you know, but the thing is, is like, there is like a tremendous amount of power in like taking that situation and flipping it into probably the most logical analytical and really like well thought out plan right like you are well, genuinely for, yeah i mean i did think it out in the sense it's like well i, I kind of did this analysis where it's like well you know it's looking like whatever happens like you know whatever happens one way or the other it looks like it's looking like people are going to be online a lot and indoors a lot and so you know and and but other than that it's like i needed i need and i still do i need something so all consuming that my mind will not start ruminating on this shit because mm-hmm. i can't control you know, I can't control Gavin Newsom. I can't control Pfizer. I can't control fucking Vladimir Putin. I can't control Biden. I can't control all the people around me. You know, uh, I can't control my close relations. It's like, and I will literally go insane if I start ruminating on that. So as I'm sure, hope I'm probably what I'm saying resonates with a lot of people. So for me, it's like, I need something that complicated to keep me absorbed. I mean, you could do it with lots of stuff. I was just like, I should probably do, do it on something that, uh, increases my survival chances in the future. I mean, I guess when I when you look at it like that, I mean, I have definitely, for whatever reason, seemingly not consciously chosen, you know, parenting as my occupying oh, sure. force. Yeah. And it's just That's like it powerful. was never it was never a conscious kind of like plan in the sense like I would like to tackle the goal of uh play uh, parenting, that seems, but I will say like it does take up a lot of your time and it does teach you a fuckload about I yourself. Bet. I bet. Um, and I think, I think one of the things that probably everyone is going through, regardless of whether it's coding or parenting or anything else you have going on, like we are in a very transitional type of energy right now. Like that, I don't want that to be lost because it seems to be a collective feeling that I hope I'm not perpetuating that we stay in this transitory position forever, but we really are like moving through something that I sense will we will turn a corner at some point. I don't know when with it's next year or four years or whatever galactic situation needs to happen to make that a reality. But I do think the choices that we make now and the, the type of energy we bring to the situations in our lives, recognizing we're probably not going to be like batting a thousand, we're probably going to yeah. make some mistakes, but bring, bringing like a well-meaning and well-intentioned change in, the like enjoyable vibe to things that should pay off for, I believe that pays off. It might be a little transactional for some people, but for me that can only foster and like fractal out that type of energy, which I think if more people brought that and found themselves in positions where they feel like they could be like that, um, that would probably benefit our society and culture as much as anything else. So that's what I'm trying to do to the best of my ability in varying degrees of success, trying a different bunch of different modalities. But I mean, yeah. I do feel like that seems to be like a very important thing for me to remember. Cause like, yeah, you can't control any of that shit. You mentioned ultimately. you, can't. you could sit down here. You could sit you down, can't. you know what? And fucking do a ritual or tap into the universal consciousness and move some things around. I'm going to oh, leave that out there as a possibility. You're not going to do it and I'm not going to do it because what a waste of fucking time that is. So why don't you focus on the shit that you actually have right. control over, which is always, always your own 
perspective on things and then modulate from there. And like, I think that's, that's how you turn those types of situations that you went through, which sucks that you went through those. Like that's bullshit in a lot of ways, but I, I just have a funny feeling. You'll probably look back at that and be like, wow, that was kind of the best thing that ever happened to me. But that always Hopefully. seems unbelievable when the trauma, no, when, but you know, this too, man, like the trauma, like people who haven't ever had their like heart broken or something like that. Like when you get your heart broken, right. Which I think is a, a thing that probably everyone needs in life. You, you really don't like understand the pain of what that feels right. like until you go through it. But when you look back on it, you are grateful in a weird way that it taught you something about yourself. And it may not be like the most graceful transition, but the bad shit often has this weird transitive property. Yeah, that's of, like, always true, but only in just, retrospect. <laughs> always, I know, and it's like the most annoying thing to say to someone. No, 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 it's true. It. But I, it is true, and like it, it just seems like, especially since you made like a really good choice in, in coding, like I, I truly get it because I've, I've attempted a couple of times, and I know if I put my mind to it, I could do it. It's just like. It's like you, know, any, you just got to slog it. at it every day. I mean, it's a I, real commitment. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, I think it's simple though. It's just like, like all of us in one way or, or another have been put in a, a place of powerlessness in the last couple of years, one way or the other. And that's the worst. That's the worst feeling, you know, like not having control over your life. So, you know, hopefully people really have is. figured this out in their own way. But, you know, for me, it's just, it's just real simple. It's like you got to find something that you can control. Not in like a fucking weird way, weird way, you know. What no, I mean? not like, in, but, no, but in a good something way. that gives you a sense of of agency in your life. Because um, look, I mean, yeah, like I, I mean, even if I can't change things, I mean, it would be so easy to spend all day, like you know, scouring the internet trying to figure out what's going on, like all like what are all the angles on this, like what's happening, you know, <sighs> just like driving yourself fucking nuts, and. Um, I'm curious yeah. to see what happens in the coming years, just because I, not even years, like months probably, enough people are realizing the jig is up there. Like it's the, the, I don't know. I feel like people double down on cognitive dissonance. I mean, it's weird because I always say, like, I know there are people, and I even have friends from like high school who I, I'm still friends with on Twitter, and like I see a variety of perspectives from people, but like, I don't know. It's such a ridiculous farce, like you said, of like a system and reality that like choosing to invest so much, like people are sick of the Kardashians a little bit. I know not everyone is, they still have a booming media empire, but most like she was getting booed at the game. You know, like people are like, they're was that because of like, Kanye? No, I don't even know. Definitely not. So. They're just sick of, they're just like, and I get this. I heard Tim Dillon talk about it and it made perfect sense because it's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, there's only so much you can play on that type of thing. And they really did an amazing job of like playing on being very attractive, seemingly multi-versatile business people and moguls and entertainment beacons. It's like, I respect that, but like you can't shove that in people's faces constantly because they're going to revolt. It's like Gavin Newsom saying there's nothing wrong with the city when it's burning around you. Right. It's like, there's a time and a place for that. And that period has probably passed where people are really going to be engaging with that. It's like finding out wrestling is fake. I remember <laughs> when I was a kid and found out wrestling was fake. I wasn't long after where I lost interest in wrestling. It wasn't. Oh, yeah, so I have a funny still. story about that. I was like, when, when I, I was, I, I ended up in Kathmandu in Nepal in 2004, 
um, cool. routed. I was supposed to go to India, but they couldn't fly me there. So they flew me to Kathmandu instead during the middle of a Maoist insurrection where <laughs> I couldn't leave the, suddenly couldn't leave the city because all the buses were being firebombed. Um, and I ended up meeting shamans and undergoing shamanic training in the foothills of the Himalayas because I couldn't leave. So I might as well find something to do. True story. But I had this hilarious moment where uh, I wrote about it in my first book. I had this hilarious moment where I was just hanging out with these these shamans in the mountains and like they're like doing all these insane dances and rituals and there's this magical reality and and uh just this amazing stuff and in my mind i'm like wow is this real is shamanism real and i'm like like and i'm asking them like is this real can you actually do supernatural things so we're having that conversation and then later they're like pro wrestling is it real like, oh, no. <laughs> they they wanted to know if pro wrestling was real. <laughs> it was like this hilarious like exchange moment where I'm like, is shamanism real? Well, is pro wrestling real? You trade us <laughs> pro wrestling, which is the most unreal thing ever <laughs> that young children figure it out. But I could get like, you know what? Like if you're not from that culture, who knows? Like that's the baby. They wouldn't think that people would go to such lengths, but I mean, it's still a booming industry. Yeah, well, it's also pro wrestling's great, you know, come on. Um, I used to love it when I was a kid. I just like, I couldn't engage in the illusion. Like it didn't hold my interest enough where like I was going to watch WrestleManias or right. ever ask like my parents to be like people hitting each other with folding chairs was not enough to hold your attention. I love the video games, those I, Ultimate Warrior. I mean, all I, I used to play on Sega Genesis, the great nice. WWF game. Like that stuff was fun, but like you know, Tatanka is probably where I got off the WWF bandwagon. Like I still call it WWF. Like they didn't have to change the name. <laughs> yeah, that was my that was my era. Also, yeah. <laughs> If they Mandela effect on on that, that it was never the WWF, I'm revolting. I'm yeah, going to the yeah, yeah. Capitol. I'm going to the Capitol in the Viking year. <laughs> <laughs> put, put, put on the fursuit. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It was a bunch of tangents. Uh, Ukraine, I mean, I guess that's what I was trying to say. It's like, you know, Ukraine is a strategic objective. Um, I understand Putin's position. I listen to Putin's interesting as a world leader because instead of like, giving you like these folksy sayings like Biden, like, well, folks, sometimes you just gotta like, you know, call the cows in when it's calling the cows in time. I don't know. That sounds like something Reagan would have that said. Really, that does but, sound like something he would say. Though. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, what, like, come on. But um, if you listen to like Putin will like sit there and explain the geopolitical like um, factors of something for like an hour right. and it all makes sense. You know, and it's like, but the thing is, it's like, I can understand your position and I can understand that your position makes total rational sense from your perspective. You want NATO off your doorstep. Yeah, they're playing. I mean, they, they were saying, oh, well, they're denazifying the Ukraine. Now they're saying they're desatanizing the Ukraine, which is even crazier. Um, they're saying that? Yeah, they're saying there's Satanists in Ukraine, so they have to get all the Satanists out. It's, just, it's propaganda. So, um but it's like, I can understand. It's like, I have a very like Henry Kissinger outlook on the world. You know, it's just like very real, real politic. It's like, I get it. Like, it's just power at the end of the day. I don't believe in like big political stories. I don't believe in political moralism. I just believe that uh, in, in a sense, it's like, like I even had some respect for Kamala Harris at one point where she came out and said like, wow. look, I know, right? Can you imagine? <laughs> I'm all about breaking taboos. That's my line. That's my fucking line. No, I get it. I like Kamala Harris came out like several months ago and literally said like, look, 
water's a dwindling resource in the future, the U.S. is going to have to go to war to get water. It's like no U.S. politician has ever, ever said that we are that we would proactively go to war for resources, even though that's obviously what's happening. No one has ever done that. So it's like I kind of be, got to be like, cool. all right, like I, I respect that. It's honest, you know. Um, but anyways, it's like Putin. Like I'll sit and listen to his stuff, and it all makes sense. But it's like, but you're still on the other side. You know, it's like at the end of the day, like I am an American, you know, it's like, like Russia's geopolitical objectives are not in our interest, you know, and we can, we, I can understand them, but that doesn't mean, you you know, there's there's a level to warfare and conflict where it's like, you can understand your enemy, but they're still your enemy. Yeah. It also seems tactically weak to be the person or nation forced into taking aggressive action because the optics of that in this age are so much more like back in the day you could have shifted that narrative pretty quickly right in the papers and stuff but nowadays like you're getting like twitter accounts and like videos on tiktok of like ukrainian (laughs) shooting down yeah 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 yeah, yeah. they didn't photoshop that shit their video editing skills aren't that good like you know, it's it's pretty intense, like the the how the quickly TikTok information board. flows. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's yeah. nuts. I'm a big. I've been. I've loved TikTok since before the pandemic. I was very in the minority in my age group, but I I don't worry about giving my data to the CCP. I am not concerned about that impacting my life or my children's lives in the future. That may be naive. I find it to be relatively like they're doing a good job like their algorithms like sometimes they're a little heavy little heavy-handed like i'll watch like one thing related to like uh you know some obscure like you know crime that happened because the interrogation was interesting they just want to feed me like interrogation after interrogation after interrogation (laughs) but it's pretty and it's fast they do it within like it's done within seconds it's not even by a per um video basis they're basing it on how quickly you swipe it that's i think it's really that simple it's not like as algorithmically complex as people think it's just buckets of interests and then based on speed and like likelihood and where and when in the video you swipe um but anyway it's it's really good and i find stuff that gen i am a little concerned that i found myself when i've been sick because my kids are sick at school and i tend to get this shit or whatever um I will watch that shit for a long time where till the lady comes on, she's like, Hey, now you've been watching TikTok too long. You may want to take a break. She's never a fun face to see. <laughs> they pick the perfect woman. She's really innocuous, like very pleasant woman. I'm like, fuck. I've been watching for like an hour straight TikToks, but like, I don't know. Like I- I'm not, I don't think that this is something that like we have to be concerned about. Ultimately. I agree that like, it doesn't look like a, uh, you know, the CCP or Putin, I'm going to tie these two together as the axis of evil in Americans' minds. I don't think this is something that like is out of hand as the way it's presented. I also understand and sympathize with a nation state trying to like exert its power. If you think your way is the best way, that's what you want to do. Um, I don't think that's the right way of doing things. I don't necessarily approve of the United States engaging in these activities also with NATO, but like, what the, who the fuck do I know? Do I want to be the person deciding who goes to war with people? Do I want to be the person who cleanses the system of this type of ideology? I'd probably lean more towards the side of just trying to like live a fulfilled and happy life individually before I'd want to take on the role of like, 
<laughs> let's let's fu- and unfortunately i don't think those are the people in power i don't think the most no calm ascended and that i don't think it's scary i just think it's like this other layer of reality that unfortunately people in poor yeah and you know country parts of their no, country I mean, like they're it sucks balls that this happens because it is ultimately particularly in ukraine i mean like a lot of people have relatives on on, on both sides of course they're you know? right next they're to right each next other. to each other yeah so um, but I mean, that's always been the case. I mean, it's like nobody, like people are the same. I mean, you know, like people are the same all over the world. They want to get stoned, hang out with their wife, play with their kids, watch TV, drink beer, go to bed, have a job that's not terrible. You know, it's like people are not complicated and they're really not that different. And, uh, um, and, and people just don't, do not inherently want to kill each other. In well, large that's numbers. why I was saying, yeah, like. Putin seems to have the weaker hand in that sense because there's no denying that it was an aggressive move. Oh yeah, and they it's were very annexed fair. even when they annexed Crimea. Like right. that was and talk about geopolitical like like actual locuses of power. Like that's a shipping. That's the most important part right. of Ukraine, arguably. So, like you could you could see that he was kind of forced into something. And I saw something that I try to like read. I do stay engaged with this because I do find it as a layer layer of like theater and like it's actually wars there are people going there's real human interest here um yeah the reddit foreign legion is over there yeah like it's it's crazy like he russia has never been traditionally a very powerful nation it has at times intervened at crucial moments soviet union i don't know in the cold war no like they were but like in a weird way where like their power was predicated on like not necessarily having more resources or land like they have oil they have a large country they've got the biggest country in the world they have the biggest country in the world but most of it is like pretty useless like you can't actually i don't actually know i mean you can you can send like people to like siberia to like you know do hard labor as punishment but it's not like a place people want to go live it's not like it's like canada if you see the map where people live in canada it's like no one's living up in Saskatchewan. It's like very few people and you meet them and they're like, you're like, Oh yeah, shit. this is always like the argument. Like when people talk about overpopulation, it's like, have you ever, no way. have you ever flown over the U S yeah, like, this is just yeah. endless. Or like you look at Canada, there's like five people, a Tim Hortons and some bears, you know, exactly. Like- <laughs> exactly. It's weird to me. That's they pivoted though from that. I saw that the other day that they were now pushing. I don't know who they are. The media, I've seen a bunch of th- stories about how they were now concerned about population going extinct because people aren't having enough babies that's the thing it's like you can't take anything whatever you know everyone is is screaming about this moment is going to change it's going to flip at some point this is just the Dow. you know like Mm. these narratives flip you can't you can't get too into them Uh, you just have to be entertained i think ultimately that's the place like truthfully because i went through in a different way a very the past year and a half were very like dark days for me. Like I was not feeling myself. I was depressed. You know, for me, when I'm depressed, I don't even acknowledge I'm depressed until mm-hmm. like three months into the depression. I'm like, oh yeah, fuck. yeah, yeah. No, it creeps up I'm on depressed. you, huh? Yeah. And so, like, I, I, at this point, having seemingly, I really feel I kind of came out of it and like started to like feel like myself again. I would say four or five months ago. It's amazing how a nice trip to Turkey with your family on a yacht will make that you sounds feel. nice. It's very <laughs> Jeff, it's very Jeff like Bezos. That hard. Yeah, it really was dude. The first year it's like Noah like and Jeff Bezos ago. are like, what are y'all complaining about? We're just on listen, a yacht in Turkey. Listen to this. 
two years before I went, um, Bezos and Bill Gates had, by the way, they don't own yachts typically. They rent they them rent because, them. so Super those yacht. yachts were where we were staying in Gucek in Turkey. And I literally saw their yachts that they were renting and they're like, no, it's insane. It's like mountains of yeah, stuff. I mean, but, why would you want to own a yacht? There's so much upkeep. You just like rent Well, them. it is if you use it. I can say is I like ask as in, if I'm like in the market for a yacht. I'm like, well, I'm my, really thinking my, about this. <laughs> I, I'm blessed enough to be like in a family where my in-laws like do live that life with those oh, wow. types of things. And so like the thing is, if you're like really about the sea, and this is not a lot of people, but if you really love the sea, if you grew up near the sea with the sea, especially like the sea and the Aegean and the Mediterranean, um, and you really use that, like it's it's pr- it's not a great investment from like an investment standpoint, oh, I, but it is I, a worthwhile way of spending your time. But oh, I'm sure it's just, awesome. I'm just saying, like, why would you buy a whole yacht when you could rent it? I completely 100%. The only time would be is if you're using it so much that it actually makes more sense it. because renting it would be more expensive. Like you're a Bond villain and you're yeah. operating your... Exactly. You're operating like, FTX off of a yacht. <laughs> yeah. So it's... But I mean, coming out of like a depression, like I do have a much kind of like simpler, like the kind of the way you said it, like it doesn't have to be a complicated thing, but I'm just trying to like appreciate what situations I have created for myself and the life that I am in. And it's interesting how, when you kind of accept that and a lot of ways, let that previous version of yourself kind of like die off that. I don't want to say good stuff. Good stuff kind of starts to happen. Like mad, mm. more magical things. Like one thing that, ha- that when, happen when you, you let know, your I, previous self die off. That's what you said. Yeah, yeah, that's and like like magic and imagination and all of the mystical stuff. I find when I'm depressed, I have less of a connection to that than when I do in a more creative, stable standpoint. There is a point of like an inflection point where you do have to kind of like seize that again individually to kind of access it. But, you know, it's, it's, I guess life just to me feels at this point, like kind of like a learning experiment. And as long as you're not causing damage to yourself yeah. and other people continuously, like you're probably fine and you'll probably have like a no, decent enough great. life. So no, I'm yeah. a, I'm a big believer that like our, our, what we tell ourselves life is, is really important. It's like small things like that. It's like, like, like just telling yourself that life is like about learning. Like, I love that. That's, that's, that's a big one for me. Like my favorite thing is learning new stuff, you know, just learning how to use new systems. And, and for me, like everything, like I care about learning more than money, you know? Yeah, totally. And and like, without a doubt, otherwise you can imagine like the other stuff that I could be doing, you know? Um, but, uh, Working for Klaus Schwab. But, yeah, uh, there you go. Good old W. <laughs> yeah, yeah. FIFA, another great organization. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, making people eat Z bugs. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what was I saying? It's like yeah, learning is a great one. But I mean, it's like you you can tell yourself it's like life is a life is suffering. Life is a test. Life is warfare. Life is struggle. Life is you know a. a rocket ride to the grave you know it's like well like you know all of that is maybe true but it's like you got to pick pick your metaphors about it's like these small things like your meta what you tell yourself life is what you tell yourself the universe is you know like one of the one of the best magical quote unquote, like actually you would appreciate this one of the most magical like i'm a big believer also when people ask me about learning magic my first advice to them is this is not in on my on my website but when i'm talking to people one-on-one it's like yeah. if somebody is serious and they say to me it's like how do i learn magic it's like my first it, it advice to them is like do not fucking read occult books 
Like, just, just, just forget it. Like, you know, it's like all of the most important information you're going to learn talking to people out in yeah. life, living your life, but also from the most unexpected sources. So there's a book you probably know, actually, um, Market Wizards by Jack Schwager. I don't know it. Oh, it's a really famous, it's a Jack Schwager did like three books of interviews with financial traders. Okay. And they're all called market wizards, and they have like a wizard on the front, so like you, you understand it would pique my interest. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah but uh, I forget who he is. Who he, he was interviewing a trader um, who said, you know, at the end of the day, it's interesting. It's like some of these guys, they're like, you know, at the end of their careers, and they have all the money they could ever want, so they're like reflecting on what is really important in life. A lot of those guys are like that, like Ray Dalio and people like that, but. Um, you know, he was saying it's like the most important thing in life, the most important decision you can make in life is if whether the universe is a friendly place or not. Yeah. That's, That's probably big. the most important. If you believe in a benevolent, just good place, which you, I believe you should, just personally, my personal works stance better. is that is accurate. Like, Let's just say consciousness is non-ethical. Let's say good is just a concept, right? Let's say your subjective feeling of good is just – it is ultimately just a concept. Like what would you rather resonate? Something that feels not harmonious? And maybe there are people who tend to skew towards that. But most people who I interact with want to feel fulfilled. They want to feel happy. They want to feel good. So wouldn't you want to believe in a place where you incarnate and exist – like, yeah, you could be like, well, what if it's a trick and they're keeping us right. in a human zoo? It's like, all right, I mean, fine, sure. But do you have enough ability to think about that? Then maybe it's not that. Or maybe they gave you just enough to not question. I don't give a shit. Like that, those thoughts to me yeah. cease to exist because I've made the fundamental decision that- yeah, and it is a decision. It is a friendly place. It is a good place. It's not a place we come to to suffer specifically. We Do we suffer? Yeah. But is there a beauty even in that suffering? Yeah. yeah. So it's like- Yeah, for sure. You know, it's 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 a it's a paradox, obviously, in a lot of ways. But to me, if you maintain that perspective, most of the time, you should be pretty good. You oh, yeah. should be, and I've lived in the other good. one. Like I've course, spent I've like, spent years in this kind of in that kind of like gnostic. Like the world is a trap. Everything is a trick. Like this is a torture realm. Like like for 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 real, and um. You know, abyss, abyss, constant it's abyss. It's and like, it, yeah, and it, but it, but but all that it is, it's just a choice. Exactly, I do believe that. I this is because you have argument. the people always forget this. You're the one who has the choice. Particularly conspiracy theory people, they spend all day long looking for reasons why their life needs to suck. It's like you realize you have agency, right? You're not controlled by Klaus Schwab or whoever. And it's like if no, those people you're not are there, all. like so what? You know, it's like. It's it's like it's like the things like is is Klaus Schwab in the room with you right now? Exactly, exactly. They don't <laughs> know about you Klaus Schwab. Bugs? You're in the is, corner, yeah. Or is he making you eat bugs right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and also just like the ideas, like you know what? Listen, maybe the Klaus Schwab and other financial elite they really think the bug economy for us eating bugs is just a good idea. You know what I mean? People have shitty yeah, ideas all just, the time. They're just friendly they just, grandpas in like Saturn robes. Yeah, it's like they just, you know, yeah, exactly. They just they got, just, they're fashionable. They just, I mean, I also like. I mean, that's one of the reasons I just I really like crypto. It's just it 
it's not all a scam. Unfortunately, I do think a lot of scams, but events. Yeah. I mean, I'm in a literal scam right now. I have to <laughs> withdraw in like an hour to unbond, which is going to take three days as the liquidity slowly gets drained from this pool. That's clearly a Ponzi, but I entered willingly because I needed some life in a really ferocious bear market, um, which I do think is probably going to be over. You know, 2023 at some point. Probably. You want to make any? I, you want to make any predictions or calls? Yeah, I will confidently make predictions <laughs> and see how they fare. I, I do think if you look at most drawdowns um, in previous downward cycles, where this is not going to be super fun for people to hear, this isn't even close to the worst. We're like seventy-seven percent down on Bitcoin, and the alts are like in like I think the seventies or the eighties routinely this market will draw down 93 to 96 yeah. percent like, that sounds insane to people but it's happened so many times it's yeah. crypto because it is a speculative well every asset. cycle there's lots of new people in who don't they haven't been the, through this the bear case for like this being just an unusual kind of you know out of the ordinary event would be that what really drove the money this time was what everyone wanted the cycle for, which is a lot of institutional money. Unfortunately, not all of it. There's a misconception. Like Terra Luna, retail took the hit of almost all of that. Institutions I took a hit bought their that. money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, retail, I, I didn't because like just word to the wise, general rule in crypto. If you were getting over 10% interest on US dollar or a synthetic US derivative of it that's stable, that is probably a Ponzi. This is not how it works. The US dollar DXY will shit on your face every single time because it is literally the petrodollar that runs the world right now, whether you like it or not. Now, the ruble, interestingly, has reacted differently than I think a lot of people thought since the war. It actually did better. Um, but I anyway, getting back to the point of crypto, I, I don't personally believe that institutional money got burned for more than they could afford to lose, whether that's VCs or like big firms or like people like Genesis who look like they're probably going to go bankrupt. Sorry, Barry. But I do think that we've probably seen most of the drawdown already. We're hovering like below 16. I didn't check recently, but probably like 15, six last I checked. I think Bitcoin could go as low as $11,000 somewhere in that range. See, that's like a more fuller drawdown. I think that's um, likely. I would say it could go as low as it's 3000 but oh it could go i mean it yeah. could i just see realistically i don't see it going lower than that particular range i would definitely not be alone in becoming a buyer probably down there i'm either going to buy this range as it's breaking out or I'm going to buy lower. So like, this is still already a level where I'd be like, you know what? Like in three years, I don't think 16,000, 15,000, 12,000, you know, $18,000 Bitcoin is going to be the thing that make, made or break me. It's going to be the market started coming back at these levels. And I was able to enter into whatever I was in. Right. So I, I think that's probably what happens. I think in terms of a timeline, um, I do believe like 2023, probably early. I that's think a pretty, lot of that's these- pretty soon. It's pretty soon. We're talking about like two months, right? I mean, it's yeah. not that long. I do think we're going to bottom out there. And I don't know if it's going to be like a hard wick up, but retrospectively looking back, um, that'll probably be a point where it's like, this wasn't a bad time to start investing in some stuff. Now, I would say like anything like- This is not alts, financial advice. It, oh, 100% not financial advice, but also like alts don't trade- I don't fuck with alts speculative at all anymore. Alts. I do just because I'm a Bitcoin like, maximalist at this point. 
You know what? It, I mean, I, I've gone through this cycle twice now with Bitcoin. I'm not back on a Bitcoin maxi just because like the dollar is better than Bitcoin when it's dropping. And it's something I didn't really fully appreciate until like I got wiped out a couple, a couple of times. Um, but essentially, your Bitcoin is going to be the thing that drives the market because in terms of a premise of what a blockchain technology does or, or currency or whatever you want to call it, it does what it's supposed to do. And it's not going to be taken down by a nation state. And it's right. not going to like, uh, you're basically your counterparty to this, you know, or not your counterparty, but your real risk here is going to be um, an electrical grid. Like the internet goes offline, but even yeah, then, but it's like at that point, like you got bigger problems. That's what, exactly like... my point. So to me, it's like inevitable that Bitcoin it's not a failed experiment. I mean, no. people who don't follow crypto don't understand just how comically bad things have been in like a span of like really like a year. That's when it topped out. But like three months, two months, a month, like you, people don't understand how ridiculous because everyone trades like a retard. Sorry, but I know that word's not permitted sometimes. Everyone trades, you know, in a not a smart way plenty of times in their life. But to see yeah. firms doing this with billions of dollars on leverage it's like god yeah michael saylor what do you, what do you think michael saylor is still alive at least look at the <laughs> arrows look at you know all of ftx the alameda like these people alameda combined with ftx just to highlight how bad this fraud was and how corrupt they were they were the market makers the person who determined you really like, what's a market maker how could someone determine the price they have enough liquidity to balance out and buy and sell to keep prices within ranges that allows people to like reliably interact and sell and buy without crazy slippage and prices getting out of control. It's not like an evil thing. It's liquidity. So they had that advantage at FTX. No, Alameda is the market maker. Then they had the exchange where they literally can front run people's positions because they see money flowing in and out. So they have this advantage, right? They still couldn't not bust. Like that is unbelievable to me like you have the winning hands shown at the poker table which by the way their cto was our cfo i forget which guy was literally the dude who was ultimate bets who they did that thing they could look into the whole cards in poker and see what was going on and they got in trouble for it that's the guy at ftx and they still blew out like that it's ultimately because I don't think any of these people are crypto natives, right? They're mm. like glommers on. If you yeah. really understand crypto, you should be able to at least cockroach yourself and like survive. You yeah, should yeah, be yeah, able yeah. to at least That's that. pretty and much I, all you can do at certain points. I mean, and I've I've learned that yeah. lesson. Like I've been in I've been in I bought my first Bitcoin in 2014. And if I just kept it instead of buying drugs, I would have been rich. But uh <laughs> tell me about it, dude. I mean, that's why you buy Bitcoin. <laughs> so uh but uh, yeah, I mean, y you have to. I mean, yeah, I think people people are expecting it to, it to behave like the normal markets. It's not. It's it's a crazy crack house thing. That gap is definitely closing though. This year, especially, like stocks were going ham bony, like the GameStop stuff, um, Robinhood, like stopping. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's. I, well, that's I, the thing. I, I mean, everyone's picking on crypto. Like, oh my God, crypto's over. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's like, have you looked at everything else? Everything else. Look everything is down. Go look at Netflix, please. Go look at literally any fucking major company, American or international company, and like any stock exchange. Yeah, look at Am Amazon, Facebook, Meta, and uh, well, Twitter, obviously. I mean, they're just laying people off left and left, right, and center. I weirdly 
that like narrative of it's supposed to be bothering you that he's laying people off. Oh, I'm not bothered at effect all. on me. I'm like, this is amazing. Elon, like, these people seem like they should not have been getting. This did you, much did money. you know that 7,500 people were working at Twitter? How, <laughs> I the, do, it's how the fuck? How like? And I asked this on Twitter. I'm like, how the fuck do you need 7,500 people to run Twitter? It's like. Like and and people were coming out of the woodwork, being like, "Well, you need, you know, we can't run it in the cloud. We need our own infrastructure." I'm like, "Okay, even if you run your own infrastructure, if you add up all those people's salaries, like, and all of that, like, it's just like, like benefits and benefits, just like and taxes, yeah, 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 and it's like." food the food bill you know it's and like, like i want people to have jobs and i want people to have yeah, jobs but, but if you want people to have jobs then you need to have companies that are not burning money into the that's void that's what i mean like people should have jobs that actually like i i respect someone who wants to work personally you need to have a functional myself, profitable company to have jobs you can't just give people but jobs a, but that that what's weird to me and I didn't really start delving into this um, until social media became big because it was like part of what I was doing in terms of like digital marketing. I didn't know how common it was for companies to purposely run deficits because revenue was high enough. So even if they were losing money, there was still revenue coming in that essentially fit into other components of like credit and all of these debt and all of these other weird things that work for taxes and stuff. Mm. But it's not terribly uncommon for very large companies like Apple and Google and Facebook are exceptions to the rule. Well, like, Amazon, oh, Amazon didn't run a profit for 20 years. Right. But the stock price, I mean, right. since yeah, they're so playing my point is, it's like, it's, it's like, understand that, like, well, even what we perceive as value, like most people would agree that if you have a lot of money in the bank, that's a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's a very bad thing. Anyone who has ever had to withdraw crypto quickly comes to the realization that if they don't have some way to do this, where they're not personally taking out a shitload of money relative to what their regular salary or income would be, is you're going to get taxed some motherfucking crazy land. So there's lots of ways that people use debt and like money coming in from either credit or other things that like it's funny money like it's really funny right. money at its core it's like the institutions from the banking situations that's why i think it's gonna well that, roll that's over but that's the thing i mean it's like at a certain level i mean that's how the american economy has been working and it's it's divorced from reality and people sense that one of the things that kanye was saying in his manic incident that i i, I think was was pretty interesting actually was he was pointing out that a lot of these companies like are not there for profit. Like they're there for yeah. cultural influence. Yeah. It's not about the money. Yeah. Like way. they, they made like Adidas or whatever. It's like, they're not necessarily making that much money. They just maintain these companies for the cultural power. Like for the, because it's, it's past the point, like money. Twitter would be the best example of that. Right. Well, that's putting your capital to use. Like I would say, because he bought digital, like consciousness, you know, he basically bought yeah. a stream of awareness. And I think whatever you want to say about Elon, um, he bought my favorite social media platform. He bought the only platform that I've really never considered like abandoning because it's functional in my life. Um, so like that's credit to him. Like he got that aspect of it. And I do think the cultural influence you have by just be even associated with that for him personally is probably worth some billions right. of dollars. No, well, I mean, it's, it's like, 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 uh, moguls, like all the robber barons and moguls all bought newspapers. 
you know, Jeff Bezos bought the Washington exactly. Post. Washington I mean, this Post, is the yeah. exact same thing. And but it's like people who make this argument, it's like, well, like, look, I mean, Twitter was already being financed by the Saudis and like all these people, you know, it's like just because it's somebody you recognize, you think it's different. You know what I mean? I It's just for me. And when I think about that stuff, usually where I jump off is I'm like, what a weird game to play for yourself to be like the world's richest or in competition for the world's richest or most powerful person publicly facing, we should say. Right, like what yeah, a odd yeah. place to place your priority. But for them, clearly, they're comfortable with it. I would hope and enjoy it. I would hope, and they're at least getting something out of it at the very least. Because uh, you know, it doesn't look to be super fun. Like, sure, who wouldn't love billions of dollars? I guess on some level, but like on another level, like you don't realize how old it would get to have. You would be comfortable at a certain dollar amount. Accept that. We'll we'll agree that there is it can bring comfort and luxury to a point. It may be the most finest of luxury, but most people don't really want that. Well, that's assuming you're motivated by that. I think a lot of, I mean, I think a lot of particularly ultra wealthy people are driven by other things like competition or the needing need to be the best or they need need to build something or they find it. Fascinating. That's true. Like, look, that's, look at guess, Bill Gates. Like, what the fuck drives that guy? It's clearly not money, or he wouldn't be like fucking with everybody. I guess the thing is, is like, it's I, I revealed myself when I'm saying it's about comfort. That's what like money's function should be. It should make my life and people I love's life, and hopefully Only, anyone I else mean, who needs it. But that's not that's how to, other people think. I mean, they think no, money is about that's power. Why and they influence. have more money. That's why they right, have right, the right, most right, right, money. Right. That's literally the the main differentiating factor. But that's why that's where I like jump off like the game of like what are you on is playing or Jeff or like any of those people because it's just like I'm not on that wavelength. Like yeah. I just don't understand fundamentally the allure of that. Oh, I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot if anyone wants to. Hey, I mean, me listen, with a couple billion it, dollars, all well, let's happen. let's see let's see what I could do terraforming the planet for a decade or two. Just it couldn't be worse than now. Dog coin that comes <laughs> up early and don't sell it like a dingus, and you know we'll see what happens. I know someone who made like a, <laughs> like I think a couple hundred grand in ass coin. Do you remember ass coin? I know Australian I, shepherd. No something dog coin. Yeah, like a good friend of mine made like a hundred, two hundred. Maybe grand I should something. get on. Maybe I should get on your Discord. Well, when it, I mean, there's, I would argue that it's always a useful resource. The chatter goes down significantly in bear markets. It's just people who like hang in there and like someone <laughs> found like a Ponzi and like, that's a Ponzi. They're like, oh, but, um, you know, when it's really, there's, there's very few advantages that are as good as having like a localized driven intelligent community surrounding something like crypto. Like it's rare yeah. It is hard to find places that call out bullshit and will hold people accountable and like will be realistic with you about why they're doing something like and not being like, oh, I have thought this out so well. This will go to this price because I'm like, I'm buying this shit. I hope it goes to this price. Every time I've ever you been know? in crypto discords, it's just like people posting like rocket emojis and talking so, about like, Lambos. That well, that was basically like, you know, the tail end when people didn't realize the bull market was over. But when the bull market is literally going on, you'll get tons of valid tips. Now, just to be clear, everyone for everyone who loses money on a coin, there is account there's someone else who is making that money usually. Yeah. Like the liquidity is going somewhere. So, it is one of those games where like if you recognize a lot of this stuff is just like early 
be early, be plugged in, and we'll see if a narrative emerges around something. That's pretty much how you make money in crypto. That's it. That's how Sam Bankman-Fried did it. They invented synthetic tokens out of nothing and said, these have value now. It's like, that's not Magic how you beans. do it. That's yeah. not how BNB did Magic it. And they beans. did it. They were burning these tokens and buying tokens. That's how you create fucking liquidity for a token. Right. What say? <laughs> it's like $650 million. <laughs> What? What are you doing? I wish. Thanks, dude. I wish I could do that. It's a good one. It's nuts, but... It's I nuts. Know. I love crypto. Fun stuff. Well, we've been talking for like two two hours and forty minutes. These podcasts are getting long. Yeah, this is a good it. conversation though. We t- covered a lot of ground. Yeah, man. Awesome times. I gotta. I should get off because I gotta send out an email about the last one I put out. And I fittingly have to withdraw from a Ponzi that my unlock started <laughs> in like All thirty-two right. minutes. Don't yeah, get perfect, wrecked. Dude. All right. <laughs> good to talk to you, Noah. Peace, man. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Hope you really, really enjoyed that. I definitely had a lot of fun in that conversation. Meet us at magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E, my school for magic, meditation, and mysticism, where you can learn all the skills you need to unleash your true self. I will see you in class. And until next time, hang in there.